Hello and welcome back to Have You Seen It? I'm Maggie, and in this episode, I have a drama from Saudi Arabia to tell you about. Are you ready? Let's go. Before we jump into the show, I just want to say that this episode is going to be a little different. I'm not sure how long it's going to be, but it's, I think it's going to be long. For one, I'm going to be mentioning some spoilers. I never do that. Like, ever. But, like I said, this episode is going to be different. I tried to record this last week, and as I was recording, I was not happy with the way it was going. I usually write everything that I say down because otherwise I'll go off on different rants and I'm all over the place. And I tried to just talk for this episode. I had points I wanted to cover that I had written down, like a you know, bullet points and everything like that, but I just wanted to talk and see where it took me, like to see where the flow was, and it was bad. I was doubling back and mentioning the same thing three or four times. I forgot if I had mentioned something. It was just, it was so bad. There was zero flow. I didn't think it was doing this show justice, so that's why this is a week late. I had to go through and make sure that I was going to talk about the things that I wanted to without rambling and without it seeming disjointed and just all over the place. And anyways, well, this episode is going to be different. I'm still going to talk about the show and the cast, the words and phrases, as well as the one actor I did recognize. But this show is special to me because this show represents why I wanted to start this podcast. If you go back and listen to the preview episode, I talk about the reason I wanted to do this. And it was more than just showing people that they're missing out on some great shows in other countries that they might be too afraid to try because of the language barrier or dislike of subtitles and dubbing. I wanted to do this to show people how similar we are. We live in a very divisive world. Me versus you, us versus them. And we assume that because somebody is from a different part of the world, They live a different life. And of course there are differences, but at the core, we are all the same. We all want to be loved and respected. We all have family drama, dreams, and goals we wish to achieve. If you follow the podcast on Twitter or Instagram, which you should, then you might have seen this post, but before starting this podcast, I never thought I would watch a show from Saudi Arabia, period. Right? Like, I never thought I would watch one. I sure as shit never thought I'd be able to connect with any of the things they deal with. And I was wrong. I was so wrong. But before we get into that, let's go over the information about the show, where in the world Saudi Arabia is, the shows that take place nearby, and of course, some fun facts. The name of the show is Taki, and it is Saudi slang for relaxing or chilling, something friends do together, right? Hanging out. It's to me, the perfect name for this show. This show is all about the relationships we have, friends, family, and how they shape us and who we are, right? It originally came out in 2012 on YouTube because no cable company would pick it up due to the authentic look at Saudi society. It was created and directed by Mohammed Maki and is a U-Turn production. U-Turn is part of the Webedia Arabia Group, a media and technology company developing creative content for Arab consumers. There are two seasons, Most places online say there's only one, but there are two available on Netflix. Each season has 14 episodes, and the episodes range from 10 minutes to 20 minutes. And most of the episodes in the second season are closer to the 20-minute mark. Remember, this was originally a YouTube show, so the 16-minute episodes make sense for that platform. 
But trust me, even though the episodes are short, they don't feel rushed and there is so much in each one. If you're like me and you like to watch a video while doing your warm up while working out, this show is perfect to distract you from the fact that cardio is the worst thing in the world. This show takes place in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. Jeddah is located in the western coast and it is known for being the most liberal place in Saudi Arabia since the 1970s, which is why a show like this was able to be filmed there. It never would have been able to be filmed in the capital of Riyadh. Now, when I say liberal, I mean liberal in comparison to the rest of Saudi Arabia, which is still one of the most conservative countries in the world. Now, I do want to say, and I will say it again a couple of times throughout the episode, there have been societal changes in Saudi Arabia, mainly in regard to women's rights, since this show came out in 2012 and the second season came out in 2014. So while watching the show, keep that in mind. This show takes place three years before some of those changes, and I will talk about some of those changes in a little bit. But Saudi Arabia's official name is the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. It is a unitary Islamic absolute monarchy, meaning that the king, King Solomon, has absolute power or is supposed to have absolute power. Due to some health issues, King Solomon's son and the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, Mohammed bin Salman, is the de facto leader. He is the most powerful man in Saudi Arabia after gaining control of all three branches after the arrest following the death of journalist Jamal Khashoggi. And he is the most powerful man in Saudi Arabia since his grandfather, King Ivan Saud, the first king of Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia is located on the Arabian Peninsula in the Middle East. It borders Jordan and Iraq to the north, Kuwait to the northwest, Qatar, Bahrain, and the United Arab Emirates to the east, Oman to the southeast, and Yemen to the south. And to the west, it is separated from Egypt, Sudan, and Eritrea by the Red Sea. Bahrain is not a land border. It is connected via a bridge, but it's separated by the Persian Gulf. The shows that I've covered that take place close to this one are Justice that takes place in Abu Dhabi in the United Arab Emirates, Jin that takes place in both Amman and Petra, Jordan, Masad 101 that takes place somewhere in Israel, and The Writer that takes place in Beirut, Lebanon. I will be putting the picture up on Instagram so you can see all of that. Some interesting facts about Saudi Arabia is it has the largest sand desert on earth. A liter of potable water is more expensive than a liter of oil. Alcohol is completely banned in Saudi Arabia. You cannot buy it, sell it, drink it, nothing. And this does come into play in the show. Saudi Arabia is the only country in the world that does not have a natural river. All citizens of Saudi Arabia are Muslim and non-Muslims are not allowed Saudi citizenship. And it has banned the public worship of other religions. In December of 2015, women in Saudi Arabia voted for the first time. 979 women ran for office and 17 were elected. And in 2018, women were allowed entrance into sports stadiums for the first time. Up until 2012, non-Muslims were prohibited to be buried inside Saudi Arabia. Now they can, but it has to be under certain and special circumstances. Before 2012, men were the only ones allowed to sell lingerie due to the law stating that women could not work outside of the house. But after pressure from women who said they were getting more and more uncomfortable buying lingerie for men, I mean, obviously, King Abdallah, the king before King Salman became king in 2015, reversed the law and now men are no longer allowed to sell lingerie at all. Talk about a complete 180. And the last fact is that the two holiest sites in Islam, Mecca and Medina, are both located in Saudi Arabia. The Kaaba in Mecca is the location that all Muslims face during prayer, and Medina is where Prophet Muhammad established the Muslim community in the 7th century and is where his body is entombed today. Muslims from all over the world make a pilgrimage to both sites every year, though this year due to COVID-19 those journeys have been restricted. They speak Arabic in the Saudi dialect in this show. 
There are no audio alternatives, and the subtitles are available in English, French, Simplified Chinese, Traditional Chinese, and Spanish. It is rated TV-14, and the disclaimers that Netflix gives are violence, fear, language, and smoking. There is also domestic violence. I do want to be kind of specific with the type of violence. Uh, it is pretty rough at times, so I just wanted to point that out. The links to all the websites where I got the information for the show, the fun facts, and any other information that I did not use my memory for are going to be linked in the description of this episode as well as in the caption for the post that I made for the show on Instagram. Okay, so like I said at the beginning, this episode is going to be a little bit different. But let me first say, the description given by Netflix for this show is... In Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, a young, aspiring filmmaker and his circle of friends grapple with family expectations, gender roles, romance, and rivalry. This description is the reason I chose to watch this show. This was not the show I was going to watch originally from Saudi Arabia. It was actually going to be the show Whispers. But I came across this one, read the description, and was like, this is the show I've been looking for. Not just from Saudi Arabia, like just in general, from any country. This is the show I've been waiting for. When looking for shows, the first thing I look for is what country it's from, because I want to cover as many shows from as many different countries as possible. And then I look at what kind of show it is. I have a long list of over 450 shows from over 50 countries. It's probably longer than that, to be honest with you. It's been a while since I've counted them. Some countries have way more than others, and some, like Saudi Arabia, only have two. Some only have one, so I have to watch those shows. And up until last week, I only had whispers from Saudi Arabia. And this episode was going to be next week's show, which is from Russia. So it was supposed to be last week's episode. And then I switched to them. Anyways, but I wasn't feeling the original show that I was watching from Russia, which I did end up switching. So I looked one more time for another Russian show, found a new Russian show. And then I was like, well, let me check Saudi Arabia again. And I saw this one and I was hooked immediately before even watching it. Like I said, I read that description. I was like, I'm in. This is the show I was looking for. Of the 450 plus shows, probably close to 500, I have on that list, more than half of them are crime dramas or something to do with crime. And don't get me wrong, I love crime dramas. A lot of the shows I've watched for this podcast have been crime dramas, almost half of them. But every country has crime dramas. And I've said it before, and I will probably say it again, Almost all crime dramas are exactly the same, with small differences, no matter what country they're from. But this show focuses on social issues. The first show that I have found that does that, explicitly, like it says it in, when you look at Netflix and it gives you all like the descriptions of the show, it says social issues. And to be honest with you, with that description, you could replace Jeddah, Saudi Arabia with anywhere in the world. And I think the show would be just as enticing for me. But with all of the different things that have happened in Saudi Arabia with women's rights and other things, I've never been drawn into a show as hard as I was drawn into this one. And it didn't disappoint. The first season came out in 2012. In the last eight years, so much has changed. In my opinion, there's still a long way to go, but you can't overlook or diminish the changes that have happened. Since this show first aired, women got the right to vote, 17 women were elected in the first election they were allowed to run in, 979 ran, so of course more would have been great, but even having one win in their first election is huge. They can drive, they can own their own businesses, they can obtain a passport if they're over 21 without permission from a male family member, they're no longer required to cover their face in public, nor are they required to wear an abaya in public, 
and cinemas are now back in Saudi Arabia after a 35 year ban. That's a lot of growth in eight years, and most of it came in the last five. Remember, Saudi Arabia is one of the most conservative countries in the world. So an inch really and truly is a mile. So all of that stuff that I just list is huge. But let's get back to the show. Like I said, it takes place in 2012. So none of the things I just mentioned have happened yet. Women can't drive, they're required to cover their faces in public, and the cinema ban is still in effect. Now, like I said at the beginning, Jeddah has been the most liberal city in Saudi Arabia since the 1970s. And like its motto says, Jeddah is different. It's been the main vacation spot for most of Saudi Arabian citizens because of how liberal it is. I forget where I found it online, but while I was kind of like looking at all of this background stuff, there was a quote in one of the articles that said, Jeddah was a place for Saudi Arabian citizens to breathe. Women have traditionally had more freedoms there, like walking in malls by themselves and being able to uncover their faces while in public. The government doesn't have as much of a presence in Jeddah as it does everywhere else in the country, and police are far less strict with enforcing certain laws, like the face covering. I've mentioned it a few times, but since 2018, women are no longer required to cover their face or wear an abaya, which is a robe-like dress while in the presence of unrelated males, but in this show, they are. Not the face covering because they are in Jeddah, but remember this show takes place six years before that ruling. Now, this is where it's going to be a little bit different, right? I'm going to go over some of the things that stood out to me. And while doing that, I'm going to talk about the characters and give you an idea of their storylines. But this show to me is more than what the storylines are. It's a look into life in Saudi Arabia, which is why I'm going to be mentioning some spoilers, some pretty big spoilers. I still think you should all watch the show no matter what spoilers I mention because it is, it's a great show. Definitely top three show that I've watched for this podcast. But the first thing I want to go over are the different types of relationships that we see in the show. While there are some differences, there are definitely more things you will connect with. Whether it's the good relationships or the bad ones, you will connect with most of them. Hopefully not all of them. Like I said, some of them are, are pretty bad. But the first type of relationship I want to talk about are the friendships. That, to me, is the main focus of the show, is the friendships that you see between the characters, right? First up, I will go over the boys. So we have Malik, who is played by Moaid out of the coffee, Abdallah, who is played by Adel Ridwan, Bader, who is played by Ridwan al-Rimi, and Majid, who is played by Ali al-Sharif. At first, we only meet Malik, Abdallah, and Bader. And they're talking about what they want to do on their vacation, and they're hanging out in a restaurant now. The first thing I noticed right off the bat was how fast they talk. I know I, I talk very fast, sometimes too fast, but these three were just talking and I was like, oh, I don't know if I'll pick up any word. Now, either I got used to the speed in which they were talking or they slowed down their talking because they did get a couple of words. I'll go over them later. But to me, that was the first impression I had of the show was, wow, they talk very, very fast. But they're talking about, like I said, what they want to do on vacation and they're hanging out at a restaurant you know, they're just, they're just chilling. But the ups and downs that they go through, the four of them go through, and the fact that for the most part, for the most part, they come out still as friends is pretty remarkable for the most part. You'll see why I keep saying that because they don't all come out as friends. Or I don't know if they all come out as friends because I don't know if there's ever going to be a third season. And the way the second season ends, I'm going to guess they don't all come out as friends. I'm going to assume that Malik, Abdallah, and Bader are friends at the end, but Majid is an asshole. 
and him and Malik definitely go through the most ups and downs. And to me, there's definitely one that did, I don't want to say he did nothing wrong because he wasn't innocent, but he did less wrong. And there's one that's a jealous asshole. So not the first time we meet them, but later we do see Malik, Bader, and Abdallah at a restaurant again. And they're talking about the fact that Malik and Majid had a fight and they weren't talking in that moment because of something that happened before the show started, whatever. They do make up at the beginning of the show. But like I said, the friendship between these two is the one that has the most ups and downs and definitely the most dramatic moments than all the other friendships and maybe all but one other, well, two other relationships in the entire show. And this friendship or rivalry causes one of those moments 100%. This is also the type of friendship that I don't want to be a part of. Like this fake friendship where you feel like you have to be friends with them even though you don't like them because they're friends with your other friends. Even though your other friends know that they're an asshole and they're friends with them because they feel like they have, like, no thank you. This is not, I don't want to be part of any type of this type of friendship. Not even in the Bader and Abdallah roles of this friendship. I don't want to be part of that either. Hopefully none of you are part of a friendship like this because you deserve better than this. If this is the type of friendship you are in, you deserve better than this. And the thing with this relationship is every time you think they're going to be okay, something happens, right? Like right off the bat, Majid comes into the restaurant, says he wants to talk to Malik, They go outside, they talk it out, they seem like everything's gonna be good. Like, whatever spat they had is over, right? Like, they seem to be good, and then something happens at the restaurant. And I will go over that in, I would say, several minutes. I wrote down a few, but this was before I finished writing everything else, so it probably will be several minutes. But after that thing happens, right, so you think they're good, something happens. After that thing happens, it's pretty clear that the problems that they're going to have to deal with are just beginning. And like I said, it involves jealousy and lying, some fist fighting. There are some positive moments, right? There are some good moments where they make you think that they're good friends or where I should really say Majid makes you think he's a good friend, even though he's not. But those positive moments mainly involve all four guys, right? So the two ones that I can think of, the two ones that I'll talk about are when Majid steps in and helps Malik, Abdallah, and Bader after they filmed the drug dealer Jalal. I don't know what his name is. I apologize. I could not find the actor's name. But Jalal is using young kids as a drug runner. And it's in Bader's neighborhood. So it's where Bader lives. It's a poorer part of the city. And they see a little kid on a moped being a drug runner. So... Malik, who is looking for his big shot at becoming a filmmaker, decides that they're going to film it and make some movie about it, right? Well, the drug dealer found out, and he confronts Abdallah and Bader and kidnaps them. And the reason why Malik and Majed are not with them in that moment is because they are at the restaurant where they hang out, dealing with a little bit of an issue between the two of them, which I'll talk about in a couple minutes. But Jalal kidnaps them, beats them up, and then... They call Malik, who's with Majid in a not-so-friendly moment, and they're like, you need to come here. Jalal has us. He wants the tape. He's going to kill us. Get here. So Malik is like, listen, Majid, I got to go. We'll talk about this later. And Majid's like, you can't go. Like, where are you going? He's like, I got to go. So he goes, and then Malik shows up, and he gives Jalal the camera, and he's like, it's there. Don't worry about it. Abdallah and, and Bader, who look like they just got beaten up because they did get beaten up 
and Malik are walking away and they say something and Malik shows them that he has the tape. Like the tape he gave them in the camera was a fake tape. And they're like, why would you do that? Are you kidding me? He just said he would kill us. And Malik's like, don't worry about it. And then like, as soon as he says, don't worry about it, Jalal, who looked at the camera almost immediately and realized that the tape he gave them was not the right tape, sent his guys after them. And their guys come around the corner and their guys chase them through the city and they're running for their lives. And they run into this building that is basically in ruins. Like it's completely not safe, but they're running through it. And eventually Jalal's guys catch up to him and they are fighting. There's a fist fight and Majid somehow comes across it. I don't know if he was meeting up with the guys. I don't really know. He looks upset. I understand why he was upset to be fair. I don't like him, but I did understand why he was upset. But he comes across this and he runs in and helps his friends or tries to help his friends in fighting off these guys. And he ends up getting stabbed again. I usually don't do spoilers, but today it's different. But Maja gets stabbed and they bring him to the hospital. You see the three guys there waiting, seeing what's going to happen with their friend. And you also see them all give blood because I'm going to assume he needs a blood transfusion. He was losing a lot of blood in the car, but they're all there for him waiting. And at some point, Abdallah and Bader, they're going to leave. And they're like, we're not going to stay here all night for whatever reason. And I forget exactly what Malik says, but Abdallah turns to him and is like, we're here because of you. And Malik is like, what? He's like, this is your fault. If you didn't film them, we wouldn't be here. If you had just give Jalal the, the tape, we wouldn't have been here. Majid wouldn't have been stabbed. Like, this is all on you. I 100% agree with them, by the way. Like I said, Malik is not innocent. And obviously, Malik's not happy to hear it. But like, guess what? Tough. Like, that's the truth. And it definitely causes tension between him, Bader, and Abdallah. Obviously, Majid. But there was already tension between him and Majid. So it's really more like the tension between him, Bader, and Abdallah. He tries to talk to them a few times after this, but they're not interested in talking to him until he apologizes. And he doesn't apologize. And at this point, another guy comes in called Ahmed, who was friends with Majed and Malik before this whole thing happened, right? And he's not a fan of Malik. Malik's not a fan of him. And at one point... Malik goes and visits Bader where he works. He's like a mascot at like a carnival type thing, you know, where there's like rides, there's a Ferris wheel and the ride, like we call it the zipper. I don't know if that's what it's called everywhere, but it's the cage that you sit in that spins you while like the whole ride spins itself. Anyways, Malik goes and asks if he can talk to Bader and Bader's like, yeah, sure. Abdallah's here too. Now the two of them, Bader and Abdallah, who's on the ride and is like ready to puke, are expecting him to apologize like that's what they think this is they think he's finally going to apologize but instead when he's like don't hang around ahmed they're like are you serious and he's like ahmed's involved in some shady stuff like don't hang around with him blah 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 whatever and they're both like are you serious this is what you want to talk about and he's like yeah like you know he's he's not someone that you should be hanging around with and abdallah's like you're really not going to apologize for what you did and Malik's like, what? And they're like, are you serious? Like, they're like, you're unbelievable. You're the reason Majed got stabbed. You're the reason we got beat up and we got kidnapped and almost killed by a drug dealer. And you don't think you need to apologize? And Malik is like, you're right. I'm sorry. And he is genuine in his apology. He's not just saying it to, like, pacify them. And, like, they do mess with him a little bit. Like, they get in Abdallah's car and kind of, like, drive away a little bit. And then they wait for him and then they drive away. Like, they're you know, they're friends. They're just shitting with him basically at that point. But it is interesting because it was like, come on, bro. Like, 
you don't think you need to apologize like i know some people have a harder time apologizing like some people are just it takes a long time for them to apologize but i mean that to me seems like a pretty obvious situation in which you need to apologize to your friends but they do accept his apology and he does apologize to majed as well but because of something else that's going on between majed and malik the thing that was they were discussing at the restaurant which i will talk about in a little bit malik and majed aren't really okay after malik apologizes like there are some moments where it seems like the two of them are good like the both of them are okay and then it's like no they're not okay like i think i genuinely do think malik wants everything to be okay majed just he he just can't he just can't and i'm sure there's gonna be some of you that are like on majed's side with what happens between him and and malik but like if you're really someone's friend and you love them then you want them to be happy no matter what that's the type of situation this is and it, I, I think it will be a little bit more clear when i talk about it in a little bit but despite the fact that malik and majed are not okay like i said that was one positive thing where he stepped in and helped them i think it was more because abdallah and Vader were there but he does step in and he does help right now the next situation where he does something positive Again, I think it's because Abdallah is caught up in what happens, but I was surprised when he said he was there for Majid as well. But let me explain what I'm talking about. Ahmed, the man I just mentioned, the one that's like involved in some shady stuff, he's opening a restaurant and Abdallah, who is an amazing cook, is working as the chef there. I'm fairly certain it's his first official day at the restaurant, the day of the opening, but Ahmed invites Majid to go to the opening as well as his fiance or soon to be fiance Lama who is played by Hind Mohammed and her friend Bayan who is played by Kharia Abu Lawan I will talk about them more in a minute anyways Malik isn't invited not that he wants to go anyways remember he doesn't like Ahmed he doesn't want Bader and Abdallah or even Majid to hang around with Ahmed so he doesn't want to go anyways but Malik is visited by his other friend Saeed who is a member of the morality police. And it's not the first time we actually meet Saeed. We meet Saeed in an earlier episode, but it's not anything bad. He just asks Malik to help him film a video for the morality police. But he tells Malik not to go to the restaurant because they're going to raid it because Ahmed is smuggling and selling alcohol. And Malik is like, yeah, no problem. Like, I don't plan on going anyway. Like, don't worry about it. But as soon as Saeed leaves, he calls Abdallah and is like, you need to leave now. And Abdallah is in a kitchen, right? So because he's in the kitchen, if you've ever worked in a kitchen at a restaurant, you know some days you can't even hear yourself think. He can't really hear him on the phone. So he's like, what? And Malik is like, the morality police are going to raid the restaurant. You need to get out of there. There's alcohol there. And Abdallah, who I think thinks Malik is just saying this because him and Ahmed don't get along, is like, I'm here right now. There is no alcohol. Stop bothering me. I'm busy. I gotta go. And Malik, who just thinks Abdallah is there, goes to the restaurant to tell his friend to leave but when he walks in he sees Bader in his mascot outfit and he's like why are you here and Bader's like why are you here and Malik is like they're gonna raid the restaurant like your friend Ahmed's smuggling alcohol and Bader's like are you serious like is this a joke and he's like no like Saeed told me like they're on the way like we gotta go and Bader's like well Abdallah Majed and Bayan are here and he's like Bayan came in with a girl the girl's llama Ahmed's fiance he doesn't know who llama is at that point but He's like, well, they're here. And Malik's like, are you serious? Like, we got to go. Like, we got to go tell them, but don't make a scene. Like, we got to keep it chill, but we got to get them out of here. So they go. Bader goes and gets Abdallah 
and Malik goes and tells Bayan and Lama that we need to go. And he's like, the morality police are on their way. Like, the owner of the restaurant, Ahmed, is selling alcohol. Now, Lama, who is Ahmed's fiance, is like, whoa, what? Ahmed? And he's like, we gotta go. Now, while he's talking and trying to explain that they need to leave, Majid comes over and he's like, such an asshole. And Malik is like, listen, we don't have time for this. The morality police are coming. Okay. And Majed's like, oh, so sad. Like, you're going to get arrested during a date. And Bayan's like, a date? Like, a date? Like, what are you talking about? Like, there's nothing going on between me and Malik. And I'll get into exactly why he thinks there is something going on between the two of them. But anyways, there you go back and forth. And Malik's like, guys, seriously, we don't have time for this. And they're not really listening to him. And then Abdallah and Bader come up. And Abdallah's like, we gots to go. Because in the meantime... Abdallah has found the alcohol in some coolers that, like, you take to the beach. Some orange coolers. So he's like, we gotta go. So they're like, okay, we gotta go. But as the six of them are, like, are trying to leave, Ahmed grabs a microphone to, like, welcome everybody to his restaurant. He introduces Abdallah to the crowd as the the chef. And it's like, oh boy, like, what's gonna happen, right? Like, what are we gonna do? And Abdallah goes up and he's like, just, it'll take a second. Like, just, so he grabs the microphone and they're all like, no, we gotta go. Like, what are you doing? Like, come on. So he's like, whatever. In the meantime, somebody else in the crowd gets word that the morality police are on their way. So they stand up before Abdallah can even say anything. He's like, yo, the police are on the way. We gotta go. Now it's like almost mayhem, right? Like Abdallah's like, here, take the mic. And like, they're about to run out. And Ahmed's like, no, 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 don't worry about it. Like, it's a rumor. Take your seat. Anyways. By the time they get to the exit, Abdallah's like, oh, wait, I forgot my stuff. Like, I, ne- I need to go get it. And Malik's like, don't go get it. Like, what are you talking about? Like, we have to leave. And he's like, I can't leave. Like, I have to get my stuff. Right? So Lama and Bayan leave with Lama's driver. And Majid and Bader get into Majid's car. And Majid goes to pull away at first. And Bader's like, no, no, wait, we have to wait. Right? So then we see Malik and Abdallah up in the kitchen. Malik goes, come on, we got to hurry up. Like, you gotta hurry up. And as he's about to walk out of the kitchen, Ahmed walks in. And he accuses Malik of being the one that ratted him out. And he pushes Malik, and they get into, like, a little bit of a spat. And Abdallah tries to break it up. But Ahmed pushes Abdallah, and he hits his head on the corner of something, falls to the ground, and his head's bleeding. Ahmed runs out, like a little bitch. And Malik is trying to help stop the bleeding. The police show up. Bader and Majid get out of the car and they're staring at this building like, oh my god, like, this is not good. Like, they're not out of that building yet. The police are now here. This is not good. I know I said that Bayan and Lama had left. They hadn't actually left yet. They are in the car, right? So they are still there. In the meantime, Malik is trying to stop the bleeding from Abdallah's head. And while they're on the ground, or Abdallah's still on the ground, Malik is trying to help him. Saeed walks in. And then we see... Saeed leading them out of the building and the four others Bayan, Lama, Majid, and Bader are all watching this happen and like there's literally nothing that they can do that's it they've they've been arrested and behind them the police are carrying the coolers a lot of coolers full of alcohol but then we see Bader and Majid at the police station trying to talk to Malik and Abdallah they're trying to see them And the first officer they deal with is, like, he's just a desk officer, basically useless. And eventually they end up talking to Saeed. And they're like, come on, Saeed. 
you know Malik, this isn't him, he has nothing to do with this, like, he's not involved in this in any way. And Saeed's like, listen, listen, I know. I know Malik would never involve himself with this type of stuff, but unless we arrest Ahmed, there's nothing we can do. Somebody has to be held accountable for this. And right now, unfortunately, it's, it's Malik and Abdallah. If you get us Ahmed in the next 24 hours, then we will release them. But if that's not the case, there'll be no other option but to book them. So I, I think right now, because he's friends with Malik, Saeed has not officially booked the two of them. But they basically have like 24, 48 hours to find Ahmed and have him turn himself in or else there's no option that Saeed has. Like he's going to have to book them. And if you're wondering why everybody's in such a panic, like why Malik is like, we got to go, like let's go let's go let's go why everybody else basically ran was because the punishment for being in the possession of alcohol is jail time plus whipping so Bader and Majed are like we got to get our friends out of there like we cannot leave our friends in there for something they had nothing to do with now Majed calls his cousin Lama and asks her if she has heard from Ahmed and she's like no why and so he's explaining the situation right the fact that they need Ahmed to turn himself in to the police, or at least to go talk to the police so that Malik and Abdallah can get out. And she's like, no. Now, in a few minutes, this will make more sense and you will sympathize with her why she's saying no, why she's not willing to help at first. But eventually she does. And again, I'll talk about what makes her change her mind a little bit. And Majed and Bader finally find Ahmed with her help because of something he said to her that she told them that he said. And they were able to convince him to go to the police and basically like, you can't let two innocent people take your fall. Like that's, you can't let that happen. And thankfully, Malik and Abdallah do get out of prison just in time. But like I said, that was probably one of the most stressful parts of the show because it really was like, are they going to get out? Are they not going to get out? And then it was like, okay, they need to move quicker. And then when Ahmed walks in, you're like, oh my, no, this piece of shit. Oh no. And then they couldn't find him. And then Lama didn't help. And like I said, you sympathize with her. But at the same point, you're like, what the fuck? Come on. You can't let two innocent guys go to jail for something that Ahmed did. It was very stressful. And again, it's another moment where you think Majid and Malik are going to be good, right? No. Majid proves a couple of times throughout the show what an asshole he is. Including almost ruining a commercial that Malik works on that could be huge for his career as a filmmaker because of something that happens while they're in Abu Dhabi working on the commercial. This actually happens before the restaurant raid. So he steals the hard drive that all of the footage for the commercial is on because of something that he witnessed in Abu Dhabi. Again, I will get to it. I'm going to say that so much, but trust me, I will get to it. Okay. But he steals the hard drive and then if that's not a big enough of an asshole move, like he knows that this commercial means everything to Malik and to somebody else. So it's not just Malik he's trying to hurt with this, but it's mainly Malik, right? This is going to fall down on Malik. When it's discovered that he's the one that took the hard drive because they thought they lost it, him and Abdallah, Abdallah joined Malik on the trip to Abu Dhabi to help him film. And Abdallah gave Malik the hard drive and was like, here you go. Like, this is it. You're good, right? So Malik thought Abdallah didn't give it to him. And Abdallah's like, I did absolutely give it to you. And when it's discovered that Majid stole it by Abdallah, after the restaurant raid, when 
Abdallah goes back to Malik's house and he finds the hard drive on his nightstand. Like, he doesn't even, like, hide it well. He, like, leaves it right out on his nightstand. But Abdallah confronts Majed and is like, is this the hard drive? And he's like, is it what hard drive? Like, Majed's, like, playing dumb, right? And he's like, is this the hard drive that we have been looking for that has all of the footage of the commercial? And Majed's like, no, it's a family one. It's got family pictures. And Abdallah's like, bullshit. I don't believe you. And he's like, you can't look at that like that's family, private family photos. Of course, it is the hard drive. And even though Abdallah, who knew it was the hard drive before he like guaranteed that it was, like he did go to Bader first and he was like, what do I do? And Bader's like, you should probably go and ask him to be honest with you. Which is like, no, just go to Malik. Like, we all know that it's the hard drive. And even when he does know it's the hard drive, he gives Majed one more chance because again he remember he lied to Abdallah Abdallah's like just tell me the truth Majed's it's not it so he lies then and then when he's like I'm gonna give you the opportunity to return this to Malik and be honest Majed lies to Malik and says that it was Abdallah that found the misplaced hard drive and didn't know how to say anything to him so Malik thinks that it's Abdallah that has been lying to him this whole time so again Majid comes out clean and Malik's like well why didn't Abdallah come and say it to me and Majid's like well he thought you would be mad and like Malik's like like whatever like I'm gonna say something to him and Majid's like no 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 don't say anything to him like it's good now Abdallah's a better person than I am because when Malik does bring this to him he's just like yeah man I'm sorry like I apologize. Like, I'm so sorry about that. I would have been like, fuck that, bro. That wasn't me. That was straight up fucking Majed. That piece of shit. Like, I would have sold him right down the river. So Abdallah's a better human being than I am. Another time that Majed shows that he's an absolute asshole. Now, I'm not going to talk about what happens. I'm not going to tell you what he does. Because I'm not going to ruin everything. But his choice in doing this one thing, I am about 98% confident it leads to somebody losing their life in a very tragic, very unnecessary way. I hate Majed. Now, I have said Malik is not innocent, right? He lies pretty on in the restaurant after they make up. Remember that one incident that happens that like makes it clear that they're not going to be okay. He lies in that moment. So he's not innocent, but he's not an asshole like Majed at all. In fact, there are times where he does not pursue what he wants to pursue out of respect and loyalty to Majed. Majed has no loyalty to anybody. Fuck Majed. That's how I feel. Okay? Not a fan of Majed. Now, as much as right now I've talked about Majed versus Malik, it is not just Majed versus Malik, right? We do see some Bader and Abdallah issues, right? They go through a bit of a rough time themselves. I don't want to call it a fight, because it's not really a fight, but it is a bit of a disagreement. So there's two things that each one of them, Abdallah and Bader, do not agree with the other person doing. So one of them is the fact that Abdallah doesn't agree with the fact that Bader gets involved with Jalal in the second season. Now remember, Jalal is the drug dealer. He isn't involved in drugs anymore in the second season, but he is still involved in some illegal activities and is just overall a shady person. And Bader, who is in a very difficult situation, decides to help him out because he helps him out. Again, I will tell you how he helps Bader out in a little bit when I go over the parent-child relationships, but not right now. However, Abdallah doesn't agree with Bader's choice 
And Bader is like, you don't get it. You're not in the same situation as me. And I think he means that in two ways. The first one is the one that I will talk about in a few minutes, having to do with parents. But the other one is the fact that Bader and Jalal are from the same neighborhood, a very poor neighborhood. And Abdallah isn't. He isn't super rich. He lives with his brother in the house that their parents had in a much nicer neighborhood. So there's that issue, right, that Abdallah has with Bader. And Bader isn't happy with the fact that Abdallah moved to the capital, which is over nine and a half hours away for a job that pays more, but isn't the one he wanted because his brother told him to. So Abdallah needs to find a job. His brother's like, listen, this is ridiculous. You don't have a job. You live here. I pay for everything. You need to find a job. His brother found him a job in the capital and Bader found him a job in Jeddah. Both of them are restaurant jobs. I believe the restaurant that Bader was setting up for was like a nicer restaurant, even though it paid less, but they could work together. So Bader was looking for a job there as well. And Abdallah, like I said, felt pressure from his brother to go work the one that pays more. And he does go to Riyadh, the capital, and he does work for a little bit and he's miserable there. Like the shots that you can see, he's not happy there at all. He doesn't have any friends, like the people that are there, like he tries to hang out with them, but he just doesn't click with them. And he says to his brother when he comes back and visits, he's like, I miss my friends. Like, I'm thinking about taking the job that Bader set up. Like, it doesn't pay as much, but like, my family's here, my friends are here. And his brother told him that finding new friends is easy, but making money is difficult. So he's kind of like, okay, like, so he's dead set on going back to Riyadh. And when he tells this to Bader, Bader's like, I mean, whatever, like, as long as you're happy. And Abdallah's like, don't be mad. And he's like, I'm not mad. I just, you know, I want you to be happy. So if you're happy in Riyadh, then you can go back there. And before he walks out, he turns to him and he says, the one thing I want to correct is that money comes and goes, but not friends. And I do want to say, I don't think he's upset because Abdallah chose to move to Riyadh over staying in Jeddah, but he's more disappointed that he didn't stand up for himself to his brother and that he's doing something that he doesn't want to do. Like, he's not happy in Riyadh, and I think Bader, want, if, if he was truly happy in Riyadh, I think Bader would have supported him. Because Bader is kind of like, okay, like, yeah, go and see what it's like out there. And then when he finds out that he's not happy out there, he's like, well, then why are you going back? So that's the kind of situation that is between the two of them. Like I said, I, it's not a fight. Those are just the ups and downs of friendships, right? We, we're not happy with every decision our friends make. We want our friends to be happy. So like that to me is like obviously nowhere near the drama of Malik and Majid. But those that to me shows like the like I said, the ups and downs of friendships. Now, the boys friendships are definitely a big part of the show. But I think this show does a really good job of showing a lot of different relationships and how they shape who we are as people. But the other friendship that we see in the show is between Bayan and Lama. Now, there are times where Lama is referred to as Bayan's cousin, but I don't know if they are actually cousins because when Bayan's dad meets Lama's dad after Majid's, who, remember, is Lama's cousin, after his sister has a baby and they go and they visit her in the hospital, Majid introduces the two fathers to each other, which I feel like he wouldn't have had to do if Bayan and Lama were cousins. I'm not really sure, but I do feel like if they were first cousins, their dads would know each other. Um, I know that Bayan's dad knows about Lama's dad, but I don't know if he knows about him because they were introduced or like he knew about him before, but he doesn't like him and neither do I. Fuck that dude. But anyways, they're friends 
and we see them go through some pretty tough moments as well, but they are definitely different. The dynamic between the two of them is is different. And even if they aren't talking, you do know that they still care about each other. There's no jealousy or rivalry between the two of them, right? The first tough moment between them is when Bayon sees some bruising on Lama's arms and she asks about it and Lama pulls her sleeve back down and tells her it's nothing, don't worry about it, you know, like it is what it is. Now this is something we see play throughout the show, right? So Bayon wants to help Lama with the fact that her dad beats her, but she doesn't know exactly what to do. So Lama herself wants to get out of the situation, so it's not like she's in denial that it's happening, but she doesn't know exactly how to go about it. And I think, you know, this is a good reminder that just because it's obvious that someone needs to get out of the situation, it's not always the easiest thing to do. So for Lama, she thinks the only way to get out is to get married. And I will go over that in a little bit, but throughout the show, Bayan is there for Lama and she lets her stay after Lama's father throws her out of the house at one point. And this is part of the relationship that was the hardest to watch because you know that Bayon wants to do everything she can to protect her friend, but she's in a tough situation because she can only do so much, right? So she can only talk about it so much with Lama. It's one of those tough things where it's like you can't help somebody that doesn't want to be helped. And she does try. Like she brings Lama to a psychiatrist to try and get her to talk about what's happening, to help her leave, you know, to help her feel like she can just leave. She doesn't have to leave through marriage. She can just actually leave the house, call the police and report it, right? But Lama shuts down, like doesn't talk about it. She's just like, no, like it doesn't happen, whatever. And she gets mad at Bayon. And I thankfully have never been in that situation where one of my friends was being beaten and I needed to help her or him get out of that situation. But I have been in the situation where a friend of mine was really depressed and some of us were afraid that he was suicidal and we had no idea what to do because we ourselves weren't equipped to help him. It was college, I think sophomore year, and we felt lost because we, like I said, we wanted to help him. Like we couldn't watch him suffer like that. So we went to somebody on campus and we asked for help and she was like unfortunately there isn't anything we can do if he doesn't want help which pissed us all off because it was like what are we supposed to do nothing like are we not even supposed to try and help him and she was like no don't stop trying but be careful not to push him too much because that could be just as bad as doing nothing and seeing Bayon trying to help Lama reminded me of that because she doesn't want to push Lama to the point where Lama cuts her out of her life completely and then she'll have no way of helping her. Like, thankfully, my friend didn't do anything. He is doing much better now. But it was a very scary time. And knowing how scared Bayon was in that situation, like I said, I, I connected with that because you want to help. But you can only do so much when that other person is, is either not ready to be helped, doesn't want to be helped or is so scared that they don't know what to do to help themselves. And like I said, she doesn't want to push her so that she cuts her out of her life completely. So she has to play that line of, you need to know I'm here for you and I will do anything to help you, but I am not going to push you because it's not my life at risk, right? Bayon is not the one being beaten by Lama's dad. Lama is, and it is a very scary situation. And I also want to add that... Ahmed and Lama met online 
and Ahmed was going to propose to her. He didn't actually get the chance to propose to her because he was arrested the day before. But the reason he was going to propose to her was because he knew her dad was beating her. And it's one of those situations where it's like, I did not like Ahmed, but in that situation, he was doing what he thought was the right thing for Lama, and he tried to help her. And it was just like, oh my god, like, why did you have to be an asshole? Why couldn't you just be a good a good guy, not smuggling alcohol? Like, because she deserves, she deserves better than the situation she was in. But anyways, back to Bayan and Lama. Knowing that Lama is in the situation that she's in, right? One of the hardest things Bayan has to ask her to do is to ask Ahmed, her fiancé, to turn himself in. And I know it wasn't easy for Bayan because she knows, like I said, what Lama is dealing with her dad. And she knows that in Lama's mind, the only way out is to get married. And that right now, Ahmed is that ticket. He's the key out of that house. But considering that the guy that Bayan was falling in love with was one of the guys that was arrested, she kind of had to. And like I said, I understand both people in this situation. I, I really understand everyone except for fucking Ahmed. Fuck Ahmed. In the situation of the restaurant. It couldn't have been easy knowing that Ahmed going to prison, which... Let's be real. They all knew he was going to prison. Even though Lama asks Bayan to promise that he won't. Like, tell me he won't go. And Bayan's like, he's not going to go. He just wants, to, they just want to talk to him. And then Lama's like, if he goes to prison, I will never forgive you. And Bayan's like, oh, let's hope that's a hollow threat. Because we all know he's going to prison. Like, knowing that he is right now in Lama's eyes the only way out. And asking her to have him turn himself in could not have been easy for Bayan. Because she herself wants to help Lama get out of her dad's house. Like, I'm just going to say, thank God I've never been in that situation. I would have probably done the same thing Bayan did. Like, you can't let two people go to prison. Like, I know you want to get out of your dad's house. I know this is the only way you can see yourself getting out of it. But you cannot let Malik and Abdallah go to prison for Ahmed. You can't let that happen. And... That is the reason why Lama decides to help Majed. And, you know, when Ahmed goes to prison, uh, that empty threat of, I will not talk to you, it, it wasn't empty. Uh, Lama does not talk to Bayan after that uh, for a little bit because she's mad at her. And I don't, I don't blame her. I don't blame her. I don't, to me, this is a tough situation. The only person at fault is Lama's father, and Ahmed for smuggling alcohol. In this situation, it's tough. Like, I understand why Lama didn't want to do it. I understand why Bayan was like, you can't just let two innocent people go to prison. Even if she wasn't in love with one of them, you can't let two innocent people go to prison, right? It's the old saying of like, I'd rather let one guilty man walk free than send 10 innocent men to prison, right? Like, you just, you can't do that. Like, come on. But yeah, I, I think the di most difficult part for their friendship is after Ahmed goes to prison because Lama does not talk to Bayan. And the first time we really do see this is at the hospital. So the same night of the restaurant raid, Majed's sister gives birth to a baby. So they go and visit her in the hospital and Bayan tries to talk to Lama and Lama just ignores her. Like she's super nice to everybody else. She's giving all of the, you know, other women there tea, but she's completely ignoring Bayan. And there is a moment at the hospital where 
Bayon talks to Lama in like the kitchen area. It's like a suite. I'll talk about the hospital room in a minute. But she comes up to Lama in the in the room and is like, why are you not talking to me? And Lama lashes out at Bayon about not being a famous actress and, and not having men fight over her. And like, sorry, I'm not you and all of this. Like, but that was like my one chance of getting out. And Bayon doesn't react to her. Or not really. Like, she does kind of be like, come on. Like, she doesn't let her get away with it. But she doesn't overreact to the lashing out. Because she knows that it's not really how Lama feels. And I think it's that's something, like, a lot of us can learn from. Because we can't always take what people say, especially our close friends, say when they're upset or angry personal. Because there are times, I know I've done it. I know it's happened to me from people that I am friends with, that I am close with where they say whatever they think will get us to react because they're hurting and for some reason it's human nature to want others to feel the same pain that we do and we can't react to that because in my opinion that's not them right that's the hurt that's the pain you can't take that personal and to me she doesn't take it personal right and there's a moment later in the show where it's one of the most heart-wrenching moments because Lama just breaks down crying to Bayon and she's like why does God hate me like what what have I done to make him hate me why does he keep doing this stuff to me because if you want to talk about somebody that cannot catch a break it's Lama in this whole show if there's one person that deserves a hug it's Lama like, I just want to give her a hug so many times and be like, girl, you deserve better than this because it's so tough, right? So she's like, why does God hate me? And Bion's like, he doesn't hate you. And Lama's like, yeah, well, why can't I catch a break? Because every time it seems like things are going her way, like Ahmed proposes to her, her being proposed to a second time, something always bad happens right after it. Like, it seems like her luck is going to change a couple of times. And every single time, it just, she gets not just pushed back, but like thrown to the ground. Like all she wants is to escape her father's home. And I'll explain why that second proposal wasn't her happy ending in a little bit. But every time she almost gets that chance, almost is like, I'm out. You know, even when he kicks her out he, and he does kick her out, you're like, okay, well this, hopefully this is the moment that can help her. Bam, something else happens. And it's like, my God, like this, this girl cannot catch a break. But if you want to know what type of friends Bayon and Lama are, right? Lama, when she isn't speaking to Bayon, ends up in a situation she's not comfortable in. She tags along with a friend of hers, who I cannot remember her name, to a house of her friend's friends. Moats, who is played by Mohammed Bilhai, and Faris, who is played by Naif Aldaferi. And it's just the four of them. So two women, two guys. And Lama is not comfortable at all. She wasn't even comfortable in the car. And she was like, is that appropriate? Like, I don't know if I want to go. And her friend's like, come on. Like, as soon as you're uncomfortable, we can leave. And Lama's like, do you promise? Like, as soon as we're uncomfortable, like, we're leaving. And her friend's like, yeah, that's fine. She gets there. They get there right away. I mean, you just know she's uncomfortable. Her friend takes her headscarf off. Now, I was shocked because I did not see that coming at all. I was not expecting anybody's headscarf to come off. So when she took it off, I was I was shocked. But the two guys that are there are trying to get Lama to relax a little bit. And she's having none of it. Like, she's very closed off. Very, like, uh, she's me. If you want to know what I'm like, really in any social situation, I'm like, when can I leave? I'm here. I don't want to be here anymore. When can I leave? And they're trying, like I said, they're trying to get her to relax. They're trying to have her smoke some hookah. They're like, you can take your headscarf off. And she's like, no, 
no. Thank you, but no. And Moatz doesn't appreciate her attitude. And I say that, like, I guess with loose quotations, right? He's not happy with the way that she's responding. And she's just, like, doesn't care. She's like, yeah, no. Um, no. Like, she's on her phone or something like that, and they're, like, trying. She's like, no, I'm good. I want to leave. And like I said, despite the fact that Lama's friend said that they could leave as soon as she was uncomfortable, she does convince Lama to stay for an hour. And Lama's like, all right, fine, we can stay for an hour. But we're leaving after that. Like, if you want to stay, you can stay, but I'm leaving. But Lama doesn't really want to leave her friend alone, so I think that's more why she stays. But her friend is just like, okay, cool. Now, Faris and Moats mention that they're throwing a house party. And Lama's like, no. I do not want to go to that. And her friend is like, well, I'm staying. And Lama's like, cool, I want to go. And her friend, who's a bad friend, basically makes Lama stay there with her. Lama feels basically trapped there. She's like, I don't know how to leave. Our ride here was my friend's ride. I'm pretty sure she was kicked out of her dad's house, so she couldn't call her family's driver. So she calls Bayan. And... Remember, her and Bayon are not talking. And Lama's like, can you come pick me up? And Bayon's like, where are you? And she's like, at this house party, whatever, right? And Bayon's like, oh my god, like, my driver just quit, so I don't have a way to get to you. Because remember, women cannot drive, so she can't just get in her car and drive. She doesn't have her license, she doesn't know how to drive. So Lama's like, please, like, can you please come get me? And Bayon's like, okay, I'm on my way. And Bayon, being the amazing friend that she is finds a way to get to Lama. And it wasn't just like Lama was upset with Bayan. Like Bayan didn't agree with the fact that Lama was not talking to her. Like she thought it was like a little dramatic, like the fact that she still wasn't talking to her. So it wasn't just like it was a one-sided, like Lama was mad at Bayan. Bayan had no problem with Lama. Like, no, they were not happy with each other, but still she did what she had to do to help her friend, right? She got there, she picked her up and she ended up finding her and saving her from a situation that ends up coming back in the end and playing a huge role in the lives of a lot of the characters and like I said that's a friend right I'm gonna drop everything I'm doing right now to come and help you because that's what friends do a bad friend is that dumb bitch that put Lama in an uncomfortable situation knowing that she was going to be in an uncomfortable situation and then going back on her promise saying that they could leave as soon as Lama said she wanted to leave that's a bad friend don't have that friend in your life have a friend like Bayon that even though you're arguing, even though you're fighting, drops everything she's doing to come and help you. Don't have a friend that puts you in situations you're not comfortable in. So like I said, the friendship between Bayon and Lama, that's true friendship. That It has its ups and downs. No matter what, when that person needs you, you're there for them. I also forgot to mention when going over the boys' relationships and friendships, I kind of focus more on the negatives because that obviously is like the main part of the show, but... Seeing the positives of the friendships and not just like them jumping into a fight to help each other, but like the moments where they have no problem admitting how they feel about each other, like opening up about how much they mean to each other. Like that was so refreshing. And that to me was like, I don't know, some of my favorite moments, like were those moments between the boys were like, they had no problem admitting that they loved each other. I don't know if they said exactly that they loved each other, but they definitely implied it. And it was like I said, very, very refreshing. But the next type of relationship that the show touches on is the relationships between parents and children. It's not the main part of the show, but we do see the different relationships that the main characters have with their parents. 
because this is part of life, right? They aren't all good relationships. I've already talked about Lama and her father and how the fact that she's willing to let Malik and Abdallah go to jail to escape his house. And again, I don't blame her. I have never been in that situation, thank God, but I do not blame her for wanting to do everything she could to get out of that house. I do think she did the right thing by helping them get Ahmed, but I don't blame her for wanting to escape that house. If you are currently in a similar situation, please do not think you are alone. Here in the US, the number for the National Domestic Violence Hotline is 1-800-799-7233. The TTY number is 1-800-787-3224. And 206-518-9361 is the video phone only option for deaf callers. Please, please, please call them, talk to somebody. Somebody is there to answer and to help you out of that situation. You're not alone. Please use one of those numbers here in the U.S. if you need help. Now, the other parent-child relationships we see are Malik and his father, Bayan and her dad, Majed and his mom, and Bader and his mom. Remember, Abdallah's parents have passed away, so we don't see the relationship between him and his parents. Malik and his dad don't have the best relationship at the beginning of the show. Malik actually lives with his mom. We do see her at the beginning of the show, but it, it's a while before we see her again. Um, but for the most part, it is his dad. But at the beginning, Malik's dad doesn't support his dream of being a filmmaker. It's not that he's like, well, it doesn't appear that he's actively against it. Like, for example, Malik's video camera gets ruined. And he asks his dad if he can give him some money to get another one. Or he implies that that's what he's asking. I don't think he straight up asks for the money. But he's definitely, like, implying that he needs a new camera. And his dad tells him that because of the fact that there is no film industry in Saudi Arabia... The chances of him making it is extremely rare, so he should focus on something he could succeed at, and he tells him to stop filming. Now, the first time this happens, it doesn't seem like his dad is completely against what he does, but then something happens when he's filming that film for Saeed. Remember, I mentioned that he helped uh, Saeed film the video for the Morality Police. Something that happened that I genuinely was shocked, because it wasn't the impression that I got from his dad that this was going to be what happened. Now, he definitely does tell him to stop doing it and focus on something else. However, there is an extreme escalation. When he's filming the video for the, for Saeed in the morality police in the mosque, his dad shows up. And his dad finds out in a shady way. I'm not going to ruin everything. But when his dad shows up, he is super angry. And I mean super angry. And he says something like, ever since you moved in with your mother, you never listened to me. And then he slaps him. And I was shocked. Like I said, I was not expecting that. Everybody else there was shocked as well. And Saeed at one point was like, hey, like, if you want to get mad at anybody, get mad at me. I asked Malik, don't get mad at him. Like, he had nothing to do with this. And his dad takes the camera, which was given to him by Ali, who is the producer for Bayan's videos and throws it to the ground and like almost breaks it and it's like Malik is crying and I don't know if he's crying more because he got slapped by his dad or because his dad almost broke a camera which he wouldn't have been able to afford to pay Ali back if it did break it was a very dramatic moment and like I said the first time we met Malik's dad I was not expecting that that was like a well that escalated quickly moment so to go from that moment where he slaps him in the mosque right to the moment in the second season, where you find out that his dad 100% supports him in his filmmaking and tells him basically, do not work with me. 
follow your dreams. To say I was shocked is an understatement. Malik does join his dad in his business, even though he's not good at it, because of some things that have happened and his confidence has been shook and all of this. And his dad does support him, but, you know, Malik is decided to work with him. When the opportunity for Malik to go back to filmmaking happens, his dad is like 100% right there for him. Supporting him. He buys him a camera to like show his support. And I'm like, is this the man that slapped him in the mosque? What happened? I feel like there was a significant moment in their relationship that they should have put in that show. Because I'm confused. His dad slapped him in a holy building threw a camera that was not his son's to the ground trying to break it and now he's all gung-ho for filmmaking what what happened i'm happy that it did but what happened if i'm rating these relationships between parents and children in terms of growth this one wins first place by about a million because part of me was like do they not remember that that happened like do they forget that they had his dad show up to a mosque and slap the shit out of him like he only hits him once but he hits him hard enough that it's like he slapped the shit out of him did they forget that happened because this is a 180 like no other 180 i've ever seen in television like holy shit the growth the growth of this dad to go from do not do this i'm never gonna buy you a camera Get your life right. Basically stop dreaming an unrealistic dream or an unattainable dream to if you continue working at this business. Because at one point Malik is like, well, who's going to run the business? And his dad's like, not you, because if you do, this business will not survive. Focus on filmmaking. Here's like a $10,000 camera. Stop working here. I'll be fine. Don't worry. Go follow your dreams. Like the growth. I was like, whoo incredible incredible ups and downs all over that yeah the, the yeah the next relationship is between bayon and her dad this is the least dramatic relationship they have the less ups and downs of them all it's not like he doesn't support her right because he allows her to do these films and i know that's a very weird and uncomfortable phrasing especially like for like me like it, there's a couple of times throughout the show where like a guy says that to a woman like I, I allow you to do that I think Majid says that to Bayan at one point and it's like bitch you allowed me no 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 you didn't al now I will say that basically was Bayan's reaction but for the most part it's true like the man allows the woman to do certain things right they cannot do something especially when this show came out they could not do something unless they were given permission by whatever man, whether it be a husband or a father, you know, they had to give them permission to do it. So like my reaction a couple times when they, when I heard it was like allowed a lot, you're not allowing me to do anything. And then I'm like, in that society, that is a hundred percent how it is. So he does allow Bayon to make these videos, right? So if he didn't support her, she wouldn't be doing these videos or she wouldn't be so open about doing these videos. I think she still would be doing the videos, but she would be a lot more discreet about it. But he was realistic in the sense that there was no film industry in Saudi Arabia at the time of this show, right? So his fear was more about her being disappointed and he doesn't want her to get hurt or be disappointed in the fact that the chances of her making a career 
in film and in media is very, very low, right? But after seeing Bayan, because the videos that Bayan films with her producer Ali are put up on YouTube, people start recognizing her in public. And after her dad sees this happen at a mall, she's like out with her family and she gets recognized. At first, it's like people are staring. And I think it's her sister is like, why are people staring at you? And Bayan's like, I don't know, right? Like, I, I don't know, like, what happened. In the moment, I thought it had something to do with something else that was going on, which, again, I will talk about in a minute. But it ended up being because they recognized her from these videos on YouTube. And they were all asking her for pictures. And she was like, yeah, absolutely, of course. And her dad seeing that she was making this impact on people and seeing all of the positive reactions changed his opinion of, she could actually make something of this. Like she could achieve her dream of being in the media and having a successful career and having it be this positive, happy thing, right? So once he sees that, he changes his tune, right? So before this happens, she got the opportunity. She was offered the opportunity to go to Abu Dhabi to film a commercial. Now there is a, a film industry in Abu Dhabi, so she could potentially have the chance to move to Abu Dhabi, to live in Abu Dhabi, to film in Abu Dhabi and have a career there. And at first, like I said, he's very apprehensive. He's like, no, I don't think so. I don't think that's a good idea. It's not happening. And she's obviously upset about it. But like I said, she doesn't really have a say because she needs his permission to be able to do it. And then after seeing this interaction and seeing how happy she was and seeing how happy they were seeing her, he was like, let's go to Abu Dhabi. And she's like, really? And he's like, I'm coming with you. We're going to Abu Dhabi. And she's like, yes. Like, in my opinion, all he wants for her is to be happy. And of course, with that comes worrying. Like, like after her engagement ends, he does bring up whether or not she's thought about getting engaged again. And Bayan is like, why do I have to? Like, why do I have to get married? I don't want to think about it. I am happy doing what I'm doing right now. Like, I don't want to think about marriage. And he's like, listen, I'm not pressuring you. And they do translate it as to, like, a spinster, which I think is such an outdated term. It's so funny to me, but it's such an outdated term. But he's like, I don't want you to turn into one of those because there is a negative connotation with living your life as a spinster, you know, but she's just like, I'm happy now. Like, I haven't thought about it. And he's like, okay, like, I don't want to start a fight with you. I just brought it up. Right. So like, to me, I would say it's probably one of the healthiest parent-child dynamics from start to finish that we see in the show. The next parent-child relationship is Bader and his mom. This has one of the most emotional moments in the show connected to it. Bader's mom is not originally from Saudi Arabia. I don't think they mention where she is from originally, but his father was her sponsor so that she could be in the country legally and work in the country. But since he passed away, Bader has had to become her sponsor, but the paperwork has not been taken care of. So his mom is there illegally and Bader is trying his hardest to get the paperwork all taken care of. But unfortunately, the piece of shit that is supposed to be helping Bader and his mom is a con artist and he is bleeding them dry of all of the money he has. Now, Bader's mom thinks everything's okay. Like Bader's not telling her that this is not going well, but Bader is trying his hardest. So Bader raises money for an art show that he wants to be a part of. And it's like 5,000 real, which is the currency in Saudi Arabia. And it equals about $1,332.97 today. I don't know what it was like back in 2012, but that's still a lot. And he, he's just about saved that amount of money for the art show. When this piece of shit con artist comes and is like, I need 5,000 more. And Bader's like, are you serious? And he's like, yeah, 
right? So Bader's like, I don't, he doesn't know what to do, right? Because he wants the art show. That's his dream. The art show is his dream. But he can't keep living with the fear that his mom's going to be arrested. So he's sitting outside one day trying to really figure out, like, what's he going to do, right? And this is why Bader gets involved with the drug dealer, Jalal, right? So Jalal helps him get his and his mom's documents back from the current artist who won't give them back or hasn't given them back and is not answering any more of Bader's calls and the money that he asks Bader for, so the $5,000. And after Jalal helps Bader, he asks him if he will help him out in an unknown way, right, at first. And at first, Bader thinks that Jalal is going to go back on his word that he would help him with no strings attached. And to me, Jalal does seem genuine. Like, he, he got Bader the money and the documents back and then asked him to help him out. And to me, it doesn't seem like he's trying to pressure or guilt Bader at, at all. But he needs Bader to help them because Bader is a really good artist, like I said. And he needs Bader to help make the stamps that they are going to be using to forge paperwork for people like Bader and his mom who can't afford to pay the fees that a lot of the people like that fucking con artist charge them. And because Bader is an artist and is really talented, Jaleel asks him to help him make a believable stamp. And to me, because Bader feels like he owes Jalal something, anything for helping with his mom and a sense of loyalty and connection because they are from the same neighborhood and they do live that same life. You know, the part where... I mentioned earlier that Abdallah doesn't understand how hard it is because he doesn't live in that neighborhood and he doesn't know what it's like to have a parent that at any moment could be arrested. Jalal does understand that to a degree. I don't know what the situation with Jalal's parents are, but Bader does feel that connection to Jalal. And like I said, this is what Abdallah was not happy with Bader being involved with and it's why Bader looked at him and was like, you have no idea what it's like. So he does end up helping Jalal. Now, I'm not going to tell you exactly what happens with Bader's mom that caused me to sob, but it was super emotional, and a part of me knew it was coming, but it didn't stop the tears. And, the you know, the relationship between Bader and his mom is definitely one that a lot of people in this country can definitely connect with. You know, the feeling of, like, when's the day that I get that phone call that here, it's ICE, I don't know what the immigration is in every other country, that ICE picked them up in a raid or at the time women couldn't jog in Saudi Arabia but it just happened here a few days ago in West Roxbury a black man who was out for a jog got stopped and detained by ICE for no other reason than the fact that he was black as far as I know he's just an American citizen that was being harassed by ICE so imagine your parent not having the documentation to stay in the country that fear is something that I can't imagine living and that is something that we do see Bader deal with in the show which is why it's the most emotional thing. And like I said, what happens with him and his mom, oh man, like, I was sobbing. I was absolutely sobbing. Um, the last parent-child relationship is Majid and his mom. I, I've already said, and I think I've made it pretty clear, that I do not like Majid. He is a jealous, selfish asshole. But I also feel bad for him because while he is selfish at times, most of the things he does, he does to make his mom happy. And that's often at the expense of what he wants and what will make him happy. And we do see this mostly in his relationships. So the next type of relationship that we'll cover, the romantic relationships. And again, his mom wants what's best for him and she thinks she's doing the right thing. But the thing she wants him to do is causing him to be sad and to not be happy with where he is in life. This does come out in an argument that they have in the second season 
and Majed mentions that almost everything he's done was to appease her and to make her proud because he didn't want to let her down or disappoint her. And she's shocked by that. Like, she definitely seems taken aback that that is his stance on things. Like, she wasn't expecting that at all, right? And part of that, he mentions the fact that the college he went to was the one that she wanted him to go to. And the major that he studied was the one that she wanted him to study. And I feel like this is something that every person can relate to. Whether it's the fact that since you were a young kid, your parents were talking about the fact that you are going to the school that they went to or a school like Harvard to all of their friends, all of your family, or really any stranger when they are talking about you. And they talk about it with most times with a sense of pride and happiness because it's like, oh, look look how amazing my kid is, is going to be. Look at the amazing school my kid's going to go. And you're kind of stuck there feeling like you have no choice but to go to that school because the thought of disappointing your parents or letting them down in any way causes you anxiety and stress. Or for me, when I told my mom I wanted to go to UMass Lowell over Northeastern or Suffolk, she thought I was settling and was not happy with my choice. Um, I don't blame her. Uh, she thought I wasn't living up to my potential, that I was going to a school that was beneath my capabilities and that I was being lazy. And I can admit, I am 100% guilty of that. Absolutely. But I loved that school from the moment I joined my friend Sonia to go and listen to the presentation. Honestly, I was just going so I could get out of math class. Like I was not going into that presentation with any intention of actually listening to what the lady was saying. I was just there to skip class. UMass Lowell wasn't even on my radar. It was really down between Northeastern and Suffolk for their criminal justice programs. And that's also why my mom wasn't super crazy about the idea because it came out of nowhere. And it wasn't really until we went to acceptance day, which is a day that schools hold for incoming freshmen, where you get to meet some of the professors who talk about the major that you're taking, like what to expect at the school. You get to see some of the campus and everything like that. And like I said, it wasn't until that day that my mom saw that I wasn't settling. And that was when she kind of started liking the school herself. She still wasn't sure if I was going to be challenged, which I wasn't in high school at all. And because I'm not a social person at all, she didn't want me to go there and just sit in my room and not experience some of the stuff people experience at college. But that probably would have been any college. Um, I mean, she was shocked at the fact that I was willing to live there at all. You can ask her, like she gave me three days before I called and asked her to come get me because I was a homebody. Like, I wasn't really a fan of sleeping over at friends' houses. Like, I wanted to sleep at home. So, like, the fact that I was even willing to go and stay at school shocked her. And I was scared of letting her down and disappointing her because I knew she was, like I said, I knew she was upset that I wasn't going to a school that she thought was going to challenge me. But I didn't budge on choosing UMass Lowell over the other two. Like, once I got into that school, I was like, that's it, I'm in. Like, I didn't open the letters for the other ones. I didn't care what they said, like... My mom opened the ones for the other ones, but I didn't care. Like, it, I wanted UMass Lowell, and I wasn't going to budge. And that was the best decision I, I ever made because I loved every second of being at that school. And I think my mom will admit that not forcing me to go to one of the other schools was the right choice as well. So having that battle between doing what you want to do and not disappointing your parents is something that we all have been through. And from Majid's mother's side, I can't imagine how hard it was to hear your child say, that you're the reason they aren't happy or in their perspective, right? That them trying to appease you is what makes them not happy. Majed is by far the friend that is the most well-off and has lived the most comfortable life out of the other three. 
And he tells his mom that despite that, despite everything he has in life, he is the least happiest out of his friends because of the fact that he has done what she has asked him to do with his schooling and with his relationships and that he has not done what he has wanted to do. And his friend's parents have allowed them to choose. And like I said, that couldn't have been easy to hear when you think you're doing what's best for your child. And like I said, when you have the right intentions, like his mom does, I definitely think his mom has the right intentions. I do think for the most part, she's doing what she thinks is best for him. She does say something along the lines of like, what will other people think? But regardless, seeing your child hurting and knowing that it might have something to do with you, something no parent, no good parent, wants to be the source of any sort of pain for their child. So, like, my mom could have forced me to pick either Northeastern or Suffolk, but she didn't. She wasn't thrilled, but she didn't force me because she knew it wasn't her choice to make, right? And I know families where the parents make all the choices for their kids because they're afraid of what people might think. And that does come into a little bit of what Majed's mother's intentions are, especially when it comes to his engage first engagement in the show. Like, she is worried about what people will think. But my point is, no matter who you are, right? No matter if you are Majed trying to appease your parents to the best of your ability at the sacrifice of your happiness, whether you've been in that situation where you felt pressure, whether, whether it's from your parents or whether it's pressure internally to appease your parents. Like for me, like I said, my mom didn't pressure me to go to any college, but I knew she wasn't happy that I chose UMass Lowell. And I created pressure within myself that I probably should go to Northeastern or Suffolk to make her happy. But like at the end of the day, it, I knew it wasn't going to make me happy. So I chose UMass Lowell. Best choice ever, right? So whether that's you or whether you are Majed's mom who's had her child tell you that you're the reason that they're not happy. And not in like a, I hate you, you make my life miserable, but like... You have not allowed me to make my own choices. And because you have not allowed me to make my own choices or to even have options, I am not happy. And I don't mean like I'm upset. Like he is not happy. He, I don't know if depressed is the right word, but this kid is, man, he's in his early 20s, is not happy with the life that he is living. That cannot be easy. Whether you agree with the fact that you are the reason for that or not, Seeing your kid in that state and knowing that your kid is miserable, and he is miserable, cannot be easy. So I think every single one of us, right, every single one of us can connect to really either of those situations, which is, again, why this show is just so incredible. Like, I did not expect to connect with Majet at all. I hate him. I hate him. But I felt for him in that moment because I could have been him. But I felt for him in that moment. And I do just want to note, I am back and forth on his mom. I like her at times, and then there are other times I wasn't the biggest fan. Like when she made him end his engagement with Bayan because she was an actress. And in Saudi Arabia, actresses do not have the best reputation because of all the mingling they do with men. Their reasoning and opinion, not mine. But this leads to the romantic relationships that we see in the show. Now, dating is not allowed. It's not accepted. And the one couple that is dating... I'm not going to tell you who it is because I don't want to spoil everything. They have to keep it secret. For three years, they've had to keep it a secret. So what happens in regards to the romantic relationships in this show is that the two people, the first two we see engaged in the show are Bayan and Majed, get engaged first 
and then they use the engagement to get to know each other. Now, I don't know how Majed and Bayan met each other. I don't know if they met first or their parents introduced them. I think it's the latter. I think the parents introduced them. I will say the first moments of the show is Bayan getting ready for the engagement night, where it's like they are officially now engaged. We don't know that it's Majed, right? They don't show us Majed at all. And that sets up the scene at the restaurant when Majed and Malik are outside making up. Remember, I told them something happened. Well, what happened was that Bayan came out to get Majed to see if he's coming in to have dinner with their families. And seeing Malik's reaction and Bayan's reaction to seeing each other and Malik finding out that Bayan is Majed's new fiance, who he didn't even know he was engaged at all, is that moment that you're like, oh, they're not going to be okay. Malik and Majed are not going to be okay. This is going to cause a lot of conflict. Now, let me explain why that was a shock. And it was. Because I was like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. That was my actual reaction to that moment. So, like I said, the first time we meet Bayan, she is getting ready to meet Majed. We don't know it's Majed, but she's getting ready to meet Majed, right? Earlier that day, the day where uh, Majed and Malik make up in the, in the restaurant, Bayan is working on a video with her producer, Ali. And Malik is the one that's hired to film it. So that's the first time they've met, right? Was that him filming that video for Ali. And after they filmed the video, Lama, who was there with Bayan so that she wouldn't be alone with the guys, asks if Bayan needs a ride to class. And Bayan tells her, no, her mom's on the way with their driver. Like, don't worry about it. So Lama's like, okay, I'll see you at class. Lama leaves. Bayan gets a call from her mom or she calls her mom to see where she is. I don't remember exactly what it is. But anyway, she's on the phone with her mom. And her mom is like, listen, we're running late. Unfortunately, we won't be able to get there in time to get you to your class. And Bayan isn't happy because she's like, are you serious? I could have gotten a ride with Lama. And I don't know why she doesn't just call Lama to see if Lama will like come back to pick her up. But she decides she's going to wait for a taxi. Now, while she's waiting, Malik comes up and is like, do you need a ride? And Bayan's like, no, I don't. Now, she's very like pulling away from him, like very like, no, like get away from me, like go, go, go. And at first I was like, that's a little dramatic. Like, calm down. Like, he's just asking if you need a ride. But she does say at some point, like, us being seen together is not acceptable. Like, we cannot be seen next to each other on the sidewalk. Like, we could get in trouble for this, right? Which I was like, oh, okay, yeah, get away from her. What are you doing? Like, go, go, go. Leave her alone. And Malik is like, listen, I'm sorry. Like, I just didn't want you to get harassed by any guys. Like, I apologize. You're right. And she's like, oh, harassed like the way that you're harassing me. And he was like, oh, no, 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 you're misreading my intentions. Like, this was completely, like, innocent intentions. Like, you know, whatever. They have a few more words, whatever. Like, Malik says something like where she's going is on his way, so it won't be a problem. But then she says no again. He's like, okay, fine. So he walks away, accepting her no. And while she's standing there waiting for a taxi to drive by, a, a car of, like, three or four guys pulls up around her age. And they start harassing her. And she yells back at them, like, keep moving or whatever, right? And they don't like that. And one of them says something like, you you can't talk to us like that. And she's not really having it. Like, she's just like, get out of here. And the one in the passenger seat gets out of the car. And one of the other guys says something along the lines of like, show her what you're capable of, which to me means that they're going to rape her. Like more than just they're going to beat her up, like he's going to rape her. I don't know if that's what you guys got from that, like show her what you're capable of. But to me, that straight up was like, he's going to try to rape her. And before he can get to her, because now she's like, oh shit, 
right? Like it's the thing like Eliza Schlesinger says in one of her standups, when we do that, when we go back at guys that are catcalling us, that are harassing us, we're hoping that our bark is big enough because our bite isn't, right? Like we know that biologically we are not stronger than men. So we are hoping that our bark of like shut up or keep moving is enough that they don't turn around because we do know that they could kill us if they wanted to. So now she's in the situation of, oh shit, they're out of the car. What am I going to do? There's more of them than there is me, right? The first guy that gets out, he's kind of puny. She could probably take him. The other ones with him, she doesn't stand a chance. And then when you're like, oh my God, what's going to happen to her? Like this show's starting off hot, right? I was like, oh my God, they are just jumping right into this. Malik comes out of nowhere and he starts fighting one of the guys and they start beating him up and Bayan is like, oh my God. So she yells out that she's going to call the police. And when she does this, the guys in the Hummer, I think it's a yellow Hummer or Jeep, get in and they drive off, right? And then it cuts to Bayan in the backseat of Malik's car. This is a huge deal because Bayan does not know Malik. And this is completely inappropriate according to Saudi Arabian society. 100% inappropriate that she's in a car with a man she does not know. Alone in a car with a man that she does not know that is not a taxi driver. Because she does try to explain that away like what's the difference between that and a taxi driver and they're like we all know there's a difference we all know there's a difference i don't know what the difference is but there is a difference right so she's in the back seat of his car and she's giving him a real hard time about how the car is dirty and it is super messy and he's like yeah okay like she's kind of giving him the same attitude that she was giving the guys in the car that jumped out of the car to assault her but like he's reacting to it completely different like he's just like accepting it like he's not bothered by it at all he's like yeah it's dirty like sorry like whatever and I, I think because the the fact that she's in a car with a man she doesn't know and they she knows that society is not going to accept this she is trying to make it seem like she doesn't like him at all like I don't think she likes him likes him but she doesn't hate him the way that she's making it seem like she hates him right and I think she part of her feels guilty about the fact that he got beat up, which is why she's in the car. But like, he is genuinely just trying to be nice. Like he's not trying anything. Like he's just trying to be nice. So they do. So like they're going back and forth, whatever about it. And like at some point he's like, listen, my car is what it is. Like, what do you want from me? Right. And by the time they get to the school, she sees a book that he had received earlier in the mail. And she's like, oh, where did you get this? Like, I haven't been able to find this in the country at all. And he kind of sarcastically is like, where do you think I got it? Like, if you couldn't find it in the country, where do you think I got it? And she's like, oh, I've been like looking for it. So he gives her the book, right? So he like lets her take it. And she's like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah, like, don't worry about it. Like, you can give it back to me later or whatever. So she takes it, puts it in her purse, drops her off. It is what it is, right? No, wrong. Lama sees her get out of the car. And knows that it's not a taxi and it's not her car. So Lama does bring this up to her. And this is when Bayan's like, what's the difference? And Lama's like, you know there's a difference. This is unacceptable. You're engaged to another man. How do you think Majid would feel if he knew you got a ride with a man you don't know? But Bayan is like, don't make a big deal out of it. It's nothing. He was just being nice. There's no difference between me driving with him and driving in a taxi. And Lama is like, bullshit you know that's not true and it's kind of the same thing with Malik and his friends they're at that restaurant that they go and hang out and they're talking about it and Malik's like what's the big deal and Abdallah's like to us 
there is no big deal between us between as us as friends there's no big deal like we know that it wasn't anything but society is not gonna like that and you know right away that malik likes Bayon. like you can kind of tell from his face and the way like his mannerisms like he definitely likes her more than he's probably leading on and abdallah kind of says something along the lines of that like you think her parents are gonna let you marry her knowing that you gave her a ride before you guys were engaged and malik's like oh please like calm down like nothing's happening between the two of us like we don't even know each other like it is what it is i'll probably never see her again like whatever right and this is when majed comes up he sees the boys so he goes up to talk to malik to apologize and to make up for whatever spat they had before and that's when they're outside and that's when bayan comes out and that's when malik sees bayan and is like oh shit you're one of my best friends fiance and i like you and Bayon kind of has a look of like disgust, but I think she kind of like feels like the same way of like, oh shit, you're my fiance's friend and I just drove in a car with you when I don't know you, which is completely unacceptable in our society. So that's why Malik was shocked. Now, if you remember at the beginning, I know this is a long episode, so I don't know if you do remember, but I do say that Malik lies to Majed in the restaurant and he lies about the fact that he knows Bayon. So when Majed mentions that that's his fiance, he's like, oh, I've never met her before, whatever, right? And it, it does end up causing a problem, right? So when Majed walks into the restaurant, he's there to have dinner with Bayan and her parents. He sees the boys and he goes up and talks to Malik. But Bayan is the main reason that Malik and Majed fight. And I do want to say most of it is because of Majed. So obviously Majed and Bayan are engaged. And like I said, their engagement ends because Majid's mom pressures him to end it because Bayan is an actress, like I mentioned earlier. And Majid doesn't want to do that because he loves Bayan, his words. He's trying to find a middle ground, right? So he asks Bayan a hypothetical question. It wasn't hypothetical at all. He was straight up asking her. But Majid asks her, hypothetically, if he was to ask her to quit her job in media, would she do it? And she was like, no. No, I won't. I won't quit my job. And there is more to that conversation. I'm not going to say everything. But it ends their engagement. Because Bayan's not willing to give up her dream. And good for her. Don't give up your dream for anybody. But honestly, I didn't see their engagement lasting anyways. Because even before that conversation in the restaurant, Majid went on a Twitter rant, basically calling Bayan a whore. Because Bayan at one point is talking to, I believe it's her sister in their kitchen after dinner about the fact that she took a ride with Malik. And just like Lama, her sister's like, this is unacceptable. And Bayon is like, listen, don't make a big deal out of it. It's not an issue. Because her sister almost brings it up during dinner or something like that. And Bayon's like not happy with her sister. And her sister's like, how will Majid feel if he finds out that you took a ride from a man that you do not know? And Majid overhears this. So he's already like a little skeptical, right? So. So they had had dinner or lunch and she was going to film a video and Majed is like, do you need a ride? And she's like, no, 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 it's fine. Like, I'll have my driver. He's like, are you sure? Like, I don't mind. She's like, yeah, no, no, no problem. Now, I'm fairly certain she says no because she thinks Malik is going to be there and she does not want Malik and Majed to run into each other because she does not want Majed to find out that Malik gave her a ride in the car because she doesn't want that drama. Now, she asks Majed to hold her purse while she gets something ready 
And he's like, yeah, sure, no problem. He drops her purse and out of her purse comes a book. And it's the book that Malik gives her. Now, he opens the book, Majid does, and inside he sees Malik's name that Malik wrote in the book when he first got it. So now he's like, what the hell? You lied to me, bro. You told me you didn't know her. Now, he doesn't say anything to Bayan right then, but he goes and he watches Bayan's newest video. Because remember at the beginning of this whole long-ass episode, I said that the boys were talking about what they wanted to do on vacation. Well, part of that was going on a boat trip, and Majid joins them on that boat trip, and Malik has been filming, like, looking for dolphins or something. So Majid asks to look at the video, and Abdallah, who knows that on that video camera is the footage of Bayan's video, asks Malik if he deleted the Bayan footage, and he's like, oh shit, no. So then him and Majid wrestle, and the, the video camera ends up falling in the ocean. That's how his camera gets ruined, right? So now Majid's like, wait a minute. So he goes and he re-watches Bayan's YouTube video and waits to the very end. And at the very end, because they put credits on it, it says that it was filmed by Malik. So now he's like, what the hell? So when Majid and Malik were in a restaurant, remember I said that they were there talking while Abdallah and Bader got kidnapped and beat up by the drug dealer, Jalal. They were in a restaurant talking about something not so friendly. That's what they were talking about, about the fact that Malik lied to him. So once he found out about that, and he, I think he does confront Bayan about it. And she's just like, I don't know if she lies to him or if like it's, she's like, it's not a big deal. He goes on this Twitter rant, like a little baby, calling her a whore. And this is what I was talking about was going on in her life that I thought the people in the mall were staring at her for because like people were tweeting about it. And her dad does come in and he's like, what is this? Like, this is ridiculous. And she's like, it is ridiculous. Like, nothing happened. I didn't do anything. So that's why I thought people were staring at her in the, in the mall, not because of like the YouTube videos, but their relationship wasn't going to last. Majid's jealousy was an issue right from the beginning. And like, even after their engagement ends, if you remember when I talked about the restaurant raid, Majid goes up to Malik and Bayan and Bayan like talks back to him or whatever. He says something about like, oh, like what a cute couple. And Malik is like, we don't have time. Like the police are on the way. And he's like, oh, what a shame. You guys are going to get arrested on a date. And Bayan's like, a date? Like, how many times do I have to tell you nothing's happening between the two of us? And he says, I don't believe you because of what happened in Abu Dhabi. And she's like, what happened in Abu Dhabi? Like, oh, I'm some actress that just hooks up with guys at hotels. Like, standing up for herself. Rightfully so, right? And he's like, I saw you guys in the hotel. Now, let me explain that situation. They were in Abu Dhabi filming the commercial. Majed wasn't supposed to be on the trip, even though I believe Malik asked him to, to like help him like be, film the commercial or whatever. He decides no, until he realizes that Bayan is going to be on the trip with him. And then his jealousy overcomes him and he has to go, right? So when they finish filming the commercial, Bayan, Malik, and Abdallah join Naila, who is their guide in Abu Dhabi as she shows them all of the tourist spots in the city, because now that they don't have to do the commercial, they can kind of just relax. Bayan's dad goes back to the hotel, so it is just the four of them. And at the end of the day, they have like this, it looks like a really fun day. Like if I ever go to Abu Dhabi, I'm going to most of the spots that you see in that montage. But at the end of the day, they're having dinner at like a mall or something. And the one thing that Malik has wanted to do in Abu Dhabi is go to the movies. Because remember, 
cinemas are banned in Saudi Arabia. So that was supposed to be the plan with him and Abdallah before Abdallah, who had a crush on Nyla, was like, we're joining them. But Nyla bounced because she needed to get up early to get them back to the airport. Abdallah was upset that Nala wasn't there because he had a crush on her. So he decides to go back to the hotel. So then it's just Malik and Bayan. And it's like, oh, well, what are we going to do? And Malik is like, I'm going to the movies. And Bayan's like, well, I'm going to the movies. He's like, well, I'm going to go to a different movie than you. And she's like, fine, but I'm still going to go to the movies. So they end up going to the movies. They don't sit t- next to each other. At one point, they say they went to different movies. and But in the restaurant, when Bayan is standing up to Majed, she says that they sat away from each other in the movies. So I don't know if they did go to the same movie, if they were like in the same theater or not. I'm not 100% sure about that. But they do like interact after, like they are talking after or whatever. And what Majed is talking about is when they got back to the hotel. So Majed, who was no longer engaged to Bayan, waited up for them to come back, which is creepy and very possessive and very jealous. And like I said, he's an asshole. But in the restaurant, what Bayan says to him is what you don't know asshole she doesn't call him an asshole but i wish she did she says to him something like out of respect to you and your friendship he didn't sit near me in the theater and what you don't know is that out of respect to you we took two different taxis so yeah we walked through the building around the same time even though majed was ahead of her we didn't take the same taxi and she basically says that like no matter what we do in your opinion we're dirt so like why do we even have to try And I was just like, yes. And then, of course, Abdallah comes up and he's like, we got to go. There's alcohol. But that was the moment in the restaurant when he was like being an asshole and Bayan was standing up to him. And it was just like this dude and his jealousy. It's not good. Also, him seeing them walk through that hotel lobby. He says together. I'm like, they're not together. Majed's at least 10 feet ahead of her. Like, if you didn't know the fact that they knew each other, you wouldn't think they were together. So I don't know why he keeps saying they were together. They weren't together. They weren't even talking in the hotel lobby. But anyways, that is why he stole the hard drive from Malik to get back at both of them because he's a jealous bitch. Fucking hate Majed. The last thing that sent Majed off and makes him do something that probably ends up causing someone their life. And I mean that very seriously. I do believe someone ends up being killed because of this and it didn't have to happen was when he asked Bayan to marry him again at an Applebee's and she told him that she was going to marry Malik. Now I was super happy about this because I love Bayan and Malik. I loved the dynamic between the two of them. There was a couple moments like where he gives her a drive he gives her a ride again and they kind of have like a cute little back and forth. So I was very happy that she chose Malik over Majid because Majid's an asshole. But this was the first time that she said she was marrying him. So Malik asked Bayan to marry him like an episode or two before she meets Majed and Applebee's. And at first she didn't answer him. And he was he was upset. I mean, obviously, like he asked her to marry him. And she does say, like, can you just give me a few days? And she hadn't yet told him that she was going to marry him. So hearing her say it, I was like, yes, I was so happy. Oh, my God. I was so happy. Um, But Majed wasn't as happy as I was. He did not share the same feelings as me. And Malik, who found out that they were meeting at the restaurant, who still didn't know if Bayan was going to marry him or not, and very nervous that she was going to go back to Majed, he shows up at the Applebee's. Because he's like, 
girl, I asked you to marry me, and now you're meeting with your ex-fiance, who I know is probably going to ask you to marry him. And Malik and Majed end up fighting in the parking lot of the Applebee's. And I'm not going to lie, that's one of the most American things ever. That is one of the most American things you could possibly do. Getting into a fist fight with your supposed friend over a girl who may or may not be your cousin through marriage. And I don't even know if it's through marriage because remember, Majid and Lama are cousins. Their dads are brothers. And some people keep saying that Bayan and Lama are cousins, but they don't say how. So there's a real possibility that Bayan and Majid are cousins through marriage or whatever. Second cousins, third cousins. I don't know. But like I said, you got into a fight over a girl who may or may not be your cousin in the parking lot of an Applebee's. That is some American ass shit. It made me laugh watching the scene and it's making me laugh now thinking about it. Now, in between Bayan and Majed ending their engagement and the fight in the parking lot of the Applebee's, Majed does get engaged to another girl, Maha. She's played by Darren Albaid and I'm not gonna go into that one too much, but it doesn't work out shocker even though at first it seemed like she didn't want to get married at all or she wasn't like all gung-ho about it um and then she was begging him to stay like it, it, it was very confusing it's the relationships in this show are up and down and all over the place there's not one relationship that you're like this is a good solid relationship like they are all like all over the place as messy as it is it is a good example of them being introduced by their parents getting engaged and using the engagement as the time to get to know one another which, like I said at the beginning of this section, is the process in which it goes. So that was very interesting. And I wanted to mention Bayan and Malik getting engaged, even though that's a huge spoiler. And I usually avoid those because that's what I do. I avoid spoilers. But I wanted to mention it because that was a marriage of choice. It's still the same process, right? So technically, they cannot be together unless they're engaged. They loved each other before they got engaged, even though I think Bayan was very hesitant to admit that she loved him because she was very afraid that she would have to give up her career for him, though he n never asked her to do it, and I don't think he ever would ask her to do it. They definitely had feelings for each other before they got engaged, and I thought that was huge because I know I had the impression that all marriages in that part of the world in Saudi Arabia were arranged and that the children had no say and it was what the parents wanted before watching the show. And seeing that, yes, the parents might introduce them to each other, at the end of the day, in most cases, the children, and I don't mean that in age, but simply in family structure, have the final say in who they marry. I know there are forced marriages. I talked about this when going over the show Man Like Mobeen, which I believe was in episode 10, but not all arranged marriages are forced marriages. And in many cases, the children, again, not by age, simply by family structure, agree to be in arranged marriages and want to be in arranged marriages because it takes out the struggle of having to find somebody. And in this case, and in this show, not all the marriages are arranged, right? Even though they're not allowed to date, Bayan and Malik were not an arranged marriage. He asked her to marry him because he loved her, right? They still have to go through the same steps as the arranged marriage, but it wasn't arranged by the parents. And I, to be honest with you, I don't even think the parents would have arranged it simply due to the differences in the backgrounds, right? From my observations in the show, Bayon's family is better off than Malik's. So I don't even know if they would have had it been, been an arranged situation because of that. But they do get engaged because they do love each other. 
And at the end of the day, I said when I was going over the parent-child relationship, that's all her dad wants. So not every relationship is arranged. Not every arranged relationship is forced. It is, however, engagement and marriage or nothing. Whatever courtship or period of getting to know one another happens after the engagement. And since I'm not used to that at all, right? Like that idea is so foreign to me. It was interesting seeing it and learning about it. Now, I have mentioned that I do know somebody, I worked with somebody who is in an arranged marriage. That's how him and his wife met. But they both chose to be that way. But I haven't heard of the getting arranged and then getting to know each other. Or I haven't experienced that in my own life. So learning about it in the show and experiencing it through the show was fascinating to me. Like, I obviously don't know everything about it. But because of this show, I have a better understanding. And like I said at the beginning, this is why I wanted to do this podcast. Now, before I go over some things that I noticed while watching the show, and I will go over those fairly quickly because at this point, I am three hours into recording this episode. Jesus Christ. The relationships and how they shape us and affect us was, to me, the biggest part of this show. I do want to mention the second time Lama got proposed to and why it wasn't her golden ticket out of her father's house. It was because the man that was asking to marry her was already married to her cousin. Now, I did already know that Sharia law allowed a man to have up to four wives, and I have no problem admitting that when the men were talking about this in the hospital after Majid's sister had her baby, that most of the men were not for it. I was definitely surprised. Bayan's dad said that for him, one wife was enough, and he picked the right one the first time, so there's no need for a second. And then Lama's asshole of a father came in with something like, who wants to have to deal with the second one? Like, dealing with, the fr- with one is too... Like, really, shut up, bro. Shut up. But then after he says that asshole thing, they keep kind of saying some things and Bayan's dad's like, all right, let's stop talking about this before they hear us and we end up sleeping outside, like kind of like joking. And when Lama is proposed to and Bayan finds out who it is that proposes to her, she's like, you can't marry him. He's already married. And like the overall reaction to this was a negative one, even though Sharia law allows it. I think one of the characters says something along the lines of like, just because you can doesn't mean you should. So while Lama has a way out of her father's house, she has to choose if that's the route she wants to go. And she's told by the guy that like, she'll be able to live on her own. Like he won't ask her to live in the house with them. And like all he wants from her is children. Which like, are you trying to make it sound better? Because that doesn't make it sound better. Like, I don't like, that's not a positive bro. Like. She wants to get out of her father's house, but she also wants to be loved. Like, are you kidding me? Like, but I wanted to mention it because, again, this is not part of my upbringing here in the U.S. It's illegal to have more than one wife, regardless of religion. So obviously here in the U.S., we would have that reaction, right? Like, if my friend came up to me and was like, so-and-so asked me to marry him, and I knew he was married, I'd be like, you can't marry him. Like, he's already married. Like, what? And she'd be like yeah, he wants me as his second wife. I'd be like, no. And like, that's basically what the reaction was from almost everybody in the show was like, no, like, I don't care if it's allowed. No, like here it's not allowed, but like, no, you can't do that. Like you deserve better than that. Like, that's basically what that reaction was. Like you deserve to be more than someone's second wife. And I was just like, oh, wow. Like I, like I said, I have no problem admitting that I was shocked that it was the same in a Muslim country where they are allowed to have up to four. Like I said, like Sharia law allows them that. So I was definitely shocked that it was such a negative reaction. But that is why the second time poor Lama got proposed to, it wasn't her golden ticket. That poor, that poor girl. 
she just can't catch a break really she truly cannot catch a break um like i said the other things i'm gonna mention i'm gonna go through fairly quickly because we are three hours into this recording and i have no idea how i'm gonna edit this but um the ones that stood out the most are you know some social norms so mingling between males and females prohibited pretty much everywhere so in the hospitals after birth right i've mentioned it several times majid's sister has a baby their hospital room is more like a suite there's like the kitchenette area like i mentioned where bayan and lama talked the men and women are in two separate waiting rooms so after the baby's born you see the men sitting in one room and then you see majid's sister with the baby like in the hospital bed and the other women in that room. So they're separated there. They're also separated in the waiting room. So what I didn't mention was when Majed got stabbed, him and Bayan were engaged. Now they had had a, a bit of a fight. Remember, this was right after he had confronted Malik about the fact that he had given Bayan a ride. So in the hospital, Bayan is there to make sure her fiance is okay. She's in a separate waiting room than the boys. So you do see the signs that say like men and women. So they're separated there again weddings i thought this was fascinating there are two different weddings so there is a wedding that takes place i don't know whose wedding it is but the women go to the wedding and the men go to the wedding now the weddings are held separately there is no conjoined wedding it's not like the men are in one room and the women are in the other no it's they are completely separately held at some point in the night the bride and groom are together like they do meet up together but the weddings are held completely separate which I found fascinating. Another thing is, is cars. Like I mentioned, the fact that Bayan took a ride from a man she did not know is completely unacceptable there. She also sits in the back seat of the car until they're engaged. Once they're engaged, you do see her sitting in the passenger seat of Malik's car. Um, another social norm that they talk about is women driving. When they are in Abu Dhabi, Nala teaches Bayan how to drive. She hits Malik with a car, but it is interesting like i said now they have their license and it was interesting because i i follow all of these actors on instagram i was going through haria abu laban's instagram page she plays Bayan, and she has the picture of her license and it was like this moment of even though it's like two years after i think it was what 2018 they got their license even though it was two years later it was still like wow like so different from where it was in the show like now they can actually drive but it was interesting seeing that whole dynamic of them being in the UAE because there's a moment where like Bayan is like, your dad like let you do that. Like your dad's not strict. And now it's like here they show that strictness by teaching us how to drive so that we're not reliant on driving with a, somebody that we don't know so that we don't have to take a taxi with a man that we don't know. So it was very interesting to see that different dynamics between the two different countries. Um, another social norm is the head covering, the scarves that they wear. So like I mentioned, Lama's friend takes hers off when hanging out with those boys. I was shocked. Um, another thing that shocked me was that Maha, Majid's second fiance, doesn't wear one when we first meet her at all. She's out in public not wearing a, a head covering, which shocked me and definitely shocked Majid as well. And when he asks her about it, she says she doesn't think it's important and that the idea of hijab is misunderstood. She isn't going to wear it just to satisfy others keep that line she isn't gonna wear it just to satisfy others in mind for when you watch the show because she does end up wearing one um another thing that i noticed was the cheek kissing so this is something that we see a lot in european shows we do not kiss cheeks in the u.s i'm getting a lot more listeners from all over the world in the u.s unless you know somebody very very closely 
like aunts and uncles, we do not kiss people's cheeks. I don't go up to my friends and kiss their cheeks. Like that's just not something that we do socially. But in this show between women, what they do is they kiss the cheek, switch, kiss the cheek, pull away slightly, kiss the same cheek. Now, most of the time they do it just twice. So they kiss the cheek, pull away, kiss the cheek, and that's it. There are some times where they do more than that, where it's like they kiss the cheek, they switch, they kiss the cheek, they pull away, kiss the cheek, pull away, kiss the cheek, pull away, kiss the cheek, pull away. That's from what I saw in the show. That's what I observed. That's their norm of kissing cheek, right? Of, of the cheek kissing. I was going to say ritual, but I don't, that's not the right word. The cheek kissing etiquette. That's the word I was looking for, etiquette, not, not ritual. But yeah, so and it was between females and females. It wasn't between males and females or males and males. It was just simply between females. I wanted to make sure to point that out. Um, obviously, the alcohol was a huge thing. Um, morality police in and of itself is a huge thing. The official name of the morality police is the general presidency of the promotion of virtue and the prevention of vices. We obviously do not have morality police in the United States. At this point, we barely have morals in this country. You know, the one political party that says they are the party of morals don't have any. So maybe we do need morality police here in the U.S. But obviously that stood out because that was different. The fact that alcohol is completely 100% illegal stood out. I don't drink alcohol, so that probably wouldn't affect me. But a lot of my friends and family would not like that at all. And I do want to mention with the alcohol, the party that Ferris and Moats throw is, to me, was identical to every single party that I went to in college it wasn't a lot I think it was like four but it was literally like every single one of them lights flashing people just everywhere people were dancing there's drugs involved that was big um and none of the females that were at the party minus llama were wearing head coverings so I thought that was very interesting like a house party is a house party is a house party it doesn't matter where in the world it is. It doesn't matter if alcohol is legal. If alcohol isn't legal, a house party is a house party. So it was interesting seeing that because I was like, I've been to a couple of those in my time. Like I said, I'm not a drinker. I'm not a partier, but have been to a couple. Um, some other things they talk about in the show, like, you know, they do talk about economic differences. I mentioned it when I was talking about Bader and his mom. Um, that was obviously interesting to see. I also want to mention sexual assault and harassment because... So many times when you hear about a woman being sexually assaulted, or harassed, or catcalled, the main thing most assholes say is, well, what was she wearing? It doesn't matter. She could be naked. It does not give you the right to harass her. And in this situation, Bayon was covered from her head to her toes. The only thing you could see was her hands and her face. And yet she still got sexually harassed by men. So once again, it proves it doesn't matter what a woman wears. The problem is not the outfit. The problem is the harasser. So it was interesting seeing them talk about it. It was interesting seeing them kind of, like I said, I was straight up ready for like, oh my God, they're going to start their show with this girl getting beaten and raped. Like I thought they were jumping full into it. Like I totally forgot it was a YouTube show. I'm like, obviously they wouldn't have had that if it was on YouTube, but like that's where I thought it was going. So the fact that they mentioned it or brought it up at all, I was like, this, thank you. Because it happens everywhere in the world to women all over the world, regardless of what they wear or the religion of the people of the land. Like, it doesn't matter. Sexual assault, sexual harassment happens everywhere. The thing that I was not expecting at all and yet made me so happy 
was seeing the difference in the accents between Nala from Abu Dhabi and the rest of them from Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. So I've watched a couple shows, obviously I've covered a couple shows already from Arabic speaking countries, right? And I do mention all that they do speak in different dialects. This one, I mentioned that it was a Saudi Arabian dialect. When I went over the show Justice, I mentioned that it was an Emirati dialect and then the Jordanian, whatever. So I mentioned every single time. I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I never heard the differences between any of them until they went to Abu Dhabi in this show. And it was so weird because the familiar face that I recognized was the character Nala. She is played by the actress Fatima Altai, who plays farah in the show justice from the uae right so first of all when she walked into the building i was like i know her holy shit i'm watching a show from saudi arabia and i recognize an actress from the united arab emirates nine ten months ago that's not even something i would even think i would be in a situation but when there she was and i was like there's farah holy shit there she is and it wasn't until I heard her talk and I heard the rest of the actors talk from Saudi Arabia that I was like, there's a difference here. Not the speed, because remember, that was the first thing I noticed was how fast they talk in Saudi Arabia. Or at least in that moment, that's how fast they were talking. But there was something with the pronunciations and I was like, I don't know exactly what it is. And maybe I'm going crazy or maybe I'm, you know, imagining there's a difference. But there was a difference. And they talk about it in the show. And to me, that scene in the car where Nala asks Bayan her favorite car. And Bayan is like, what? And she's like, what's your favorite kind of car? And Bayan's like, what? So in the subtitles, they show you the difference in pronunciations, right? So in the Emirati accent, it's the equivalent of saying core versus car, right? So I thought that was really, really cool. At first, I had no idea what they were doing. And then I was like, that's actually pretty cool. So Bayan had no idea what she was saying because she couldn't understand the accents. And then Nyla's like, oh, and she's like, car, right? Like, so she like enunciates how to say it in Arabic. And she was like, oh, okay. Like, sorry, I didn't understand your accent. So it was fun seeing that because in my head, I was like, I feel like there's a difference. So then when they mentioned it, I was like, I was right. There is a difference. So like, to me, I don't know, that just made me happy. Um, before I tell you what the difference is, and I will right after this, the only negative thing about this show for me was the fake fighting. Some of the worst fake fighting I've ever seen in my entire life. Everything else about the show, I loved, except for the fake fighting. Now, words and phrases, right? So the difference between car in the United Arab Emirates and Saudi Arabia, I would say, based on what I found online, in Saudi Arabia, they pronounce it the most standard way. I guess is how I would say it. But in Saudi Arabia, it is pronounced Siada. So again, I will be putting all of these words because I do not know how to spell them in the Arabic script. I will be putting them all online. In Saudi Arabia, it is Siada. In the UAE, it is pronounced Siayer. So Siada and Siayer and the two different accents. When I tell you, like I know I've said it, the level of, I ran down to tell my mom. My mom doesn't care. She listens to these episodes. She watches some of the shows. She doesn't care about this shit. Not when it comes to the words and phrases. She doesn't care about this shit. I was so excited that this scene happened. I can't even begin to tell you. Siara and Siayer. In a different scene, when they're in Abu Dhabi with Nala, they talk about some slang, right? So Abdallah asks to pass a spoon or something like that. And Nala's like, what? And he says the word for spoon, which is milaka. 
and Nyla's like, a what? And he's like, the malaka? Like, can I have the spoon? And she's like, no, 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 that's not how we say it here. We say hashuga, and he can't say it. Like, he has trouble pronouncing it, which I thought was funny because when she said it, I was like, hashuga? Like, I can say it. Like, why can't he say it? Now, I know it's not perfect, but I'm pretty certain that people from the UAE, if I was like, do you have a hashuga? They're going to be like, yeah, that's a horrible accent, but yeah, we do have a spoon. But he can't say it, which I thought was funny. So she keeps giving like a hard time about the fact that he can't say kashuga. And in that scene, they talk about some other slang. So they talk about, I believe they say it's Hajaz slang, which I think is the region of Saudi Arabia. But for example, they say that, because she asked them some more slang, right? And the two examples he gives were Taki, which like I said, is the name of the show. And it means kind of like to hang out with your friends and tafis which means boredom and the way that you say boredom normally is almalal so tafis is the slang for that part of saudi arabia again that to me is fascinating because slang is something that i love learning and that's what i try to pick up it's very difficult in these shows to pick up slang because oftentimes when i try to double check to make sure i'm saying it right it's very hard to confirm that i'm even guessing the right sounds like it, anyway, so when they were like straight out like Tafis, Taki, these are slangs. Like to me, I just loved it. Most of you probably don't care, but I don't care because I loved it. So that's the slang, right? So let's get back to the normal, uh, the normal words, which is Alium, which is similar to if you remember from the Lebanese show, uh, the writer Kilium, which Kilium was every day. And alium is today. So when they said alium, it was like a standalone thing, right? I had remembered kilium because it was one of the words that in one of the scenes, the main actor just said over and over and over again, right? Kilium, 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 kilium. That's the easiest way for me to remember anything. So when they said alium, I was like, that sounds familiar. Why does that sound familiar? And then it translated to, to today. And I was like, oh, kilium is every day. Alium, today, kilium, every day. I don't think you guys will ever understand how excited I am when I can make that connection. I mean, obviously I have the subtitles to help me, but still making that connection like Kilium every day. Anyways, um, another word is Umi, which is mom. Now, I will say it was so hard for me throughout this entire show not to say Abu Bayan or Abu Lama or Um Majid or Um Bader when talking about their parents, but I know that not everybody knows what that means, so I had to stop myself, but... Umi is mom. Uh, remember, Abu is father. We've learned that before. Baba is dad. So now we have Umi for mom. The next word is halas, which means stop. Or it's translated as enough, but it means like stop. And again, that is another one that is said over and over again. Halas, halas. And it is with a h, right? So if you romanize the word halas, right? So for the most part, I don't do this, but I do think it's fascinating and I do think it will help people learn how to pronounce some people's names right, right? Because halas, when romanized, is K-H-A-L-A-S. And you will see this on the graphic that I put on Instagram, but I do want to talk about it because whenever you see the K-H in an Arabic name or an Arabic word, it forms the H sound, right? So kind of like the guttural throat sound. So it's halas, not halas or kalas, halas. So the K-H is a H sound. So in a name, for example, like the actress that plays Bayan, if you spell her name out, you romanize it and spell it out, 
It's K-H-A-I-R-I-A, right? So it's pronounced Kharia, Kharia Abu Laban, right? So if you want to learn how to pronounce people's names the right way, or to at least try to pronounce people's names the right way, from what I saw online, from what I could gather, for the most part, every time you see a K-H, it is a H sound. I don't think it's like a H sound, like don't go like super, like you're hucking a loogie. It's a H, so it's Khalas, Kharia. To me, like those little things that I will try to remember going forward is something that I will try to help you guys remember as well. I already mentioned the face that I recognized, Fatima Altai. That's usually the last thing before I wrap it up. This episode is going to be so long. Oh my God, I'm at three and a half hours right now. That's all I have for you guys for Taki. Um, it is a long episode. I don't think I'll ever do an episode this long ever again. But I wanted to do this episode right. And I wanted to do it this way because I know the chances of the people listening to this episode but not watching the show. I wanted you guys to experience the show the way that I did. It was probably very confusing. I jumped around a lot. I tried my best. I hope I did this show justice. I hope you all understand why this show is so important to me and why this episode was so important to me and why I wanted to make sure that I did it right and why it's one of my favorite shows. Of all the episodes I've done so far, this is truly the most special because it's the perfect example of why I wanted to do this podcast, like I said at the beginning. The first step of getting rid of prejudices, whether we know we have them or not, is to realize that we are more alike than we think. Like I said at the beginning, I never thought I would watch a show from Saudi Arabia and fall in love with it, and I was wrong. I love this show. I really hope you all take the time to watch this show. Potentially, it could take you less time to watch the first season of this show than it was for you to listen to this episode. And I'm not even joking. Um, I have no idea if there will be a third season. Maybe with it being on Netflix and it gaining worldwide viewers, something will happen. I hope something will happen. Whether it's the same group or a new one, um, I hope they give us an answer to what happened at the end of the second one, whether it be like in a tweet or something, because I need to know what happened. If it is a new group, then I would like for them to be the same age as the ones in the first two seasons, going through life with all of the new laws and other things that have happened since the first season took place. I think that would be really interesting to compare and contrast how different it is, if it's different at all. Of course, if I do hear anything about another season happening, I will let you all know on Instagram. If you guys do watch this show, which you should, let me know what you guys thought about it. As always, you can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at OfficialHYSI. You can check out the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash OfficialHYSI. And if you have show suggestions or feedback, you can email me at HaveYouSeenIt1 at gmail.com. That is the number one. It is not spelt out. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being patient. I'm sorry that this was late, but I needed to do it right. I hope you all have a wonderful day and a wonderful weekend. Next episode, I will be talking about the Russian crime thriller Sparta. Have you seen it? Because I have. <laughs>